Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and welcome to day 11 of the Golden State Warriors never-ending championship celebration. I told y'all I'm bringing it back. You got about a year to figure out how to beat us. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Not joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. If you live in Asia, chances are right now he is waiting on you for this Zoom call. Because Mike said he's got a conference call with Asia. There's a lot of y'all. Don't make my man wait. Um, Marcus, my terrible jokes aside, we do not have, mm-hmm. we're not, just not just me and you this week. No, we've we got, got some special guests. House packed card today. I mean, we're going to try to go. We're, we're first going to bring in former co host, always a member of the family, kid presentable himself. Stefan, how you doing? Hey, fellas. You know, whenever it's the eve of a big numbered pay-per-view event, you know I love to show up to not talk about MMA. That's you know, right. I like to come in and talk about other things when there's the big card on deck. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, if you haven't checked out uh, Stefan's podcast, if you're not following us on Twitter, I don't blame you. The Twitter account's more or less been abandoned. I can't do it, guys. Twitter's terrible. But if you let do me, follow us on let Twitter. Me, let, me, let me tell I mean, let me tell you, Bob, as someone who's had to make a Twitter account, uh, Instagram, a TikTok, it's been a week and I realize I haven't done shit with any of them. This is is why I am not a social media manager. Exactly. So as I mentioned on our Twitter account, at It's Amazing, hopefully that's the handle, Um, Stefan here has started his own podcast. I forgot your co-host name. I apologize. Um, But Stefan's podcast is called The... K-Corner, K-Corner Convos. I was about to say K-Pop Corner. I remember you changed it. The K-Corner Convos. You can find that on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes. I have Pocket Casts. I'm sure it's there now. If you like K-Pop, it's the podcast for you. Stefan, please talk about your podcast and your co-host, which whose name I still have not said. Uh, it's my friend Paula. Um, both of us have, you know, creative backgrounds. We have different background with K-pop. You know, if you listen to this show, you heard me mention um, various groups and songs I like. Um, my connections to the industry, be it choreographers, producers, a friend who's an agent. You know, I just have a lot of ties to this community and everything. So, uh, yeah, we launched our own podcast talking about K-pop. We want to have discussions about major topics, do deep dives on big groups, um, and this last week uh we released our first episode in two parts we talked about the group everyone knows bts uh it was coming off the eve of them announcing them putting their group activities on hiatus to pursue solo projects and uh for those who know because it does affect uh the mma world as well we've seen with do ho Choi and the korean zombie men in korea have to serve a mandatory military service so uh, BTS, their older members are right at the eve of that. And so that's always kind of been on the horizon for them. So we just go do a deep dive on who they are, how they became as big as they are. And then we just do, uh, you know, if you've heard me on this podcast, when you know, my favorite episodes were when we did those March Madness brackets, just do an arbitrary top list. So we go through our favorite uh, singles, B-sides, music videos, solo projects, 
just a fun little project for us to talk about something we like. Uh, we don't have a regular production schedule. We're thinking maybe two episodes a month. Um, it does take a lot of uh, editing and script work to go into this so far from my one episode I produced. I've mentioned to the fellas, I have so much respect for the boys uh, and the production side of things. Now that I'm kind of running a show on my own, it is very the, time consuming. Wait, the, the boys. And many cups of Say my name, the boys. Okay, Mark's recorded like two of these fuckers. Okay? Primarily Bobby. Yeah, Thank I've you. I've seen Mark. You know, throw his hand in there. Mark's got backup on. Mark is our backup recording. <laughs> Bob, Bobby, as uh, his one of his old favorite wrestlers said, Bobby is the whole damn show. So I do have an appreciation for what he puts in. But yeah, K Corner Convos. Um, yeah, find us. Give us a listen. Give him uh, those K five Corner stars Convos. on iTunes, guys. Five stars on iTunes. Shout out to the person who gave us five stars and said we aren't that mean. Clearly, you aren't listening, or you're not talking. You're definitely not talking about how Mike and I treat each other. Um. Yeah, only, only review or give me feedback if it's positive. I can't handle, I cannot handle uh, public uh, shaming. I, I, I can't handle anonymous hate comments. That's not, that's not for me. I'm not about that life. So don't give it to me, okay? That's Stefan what, does that's not wear the hard Oh, it's like, it's like the time I, uh, people came after us on Twitter one time when I said Aldo wasn't, when Aldo was champion at the end there and he wasn't finishing anybody. And I'm just like, man, Aldo fought really safe. Man, the Brazilians got angry. For a hot minute, I I realized, say, you must have got aggravated by one random Brazilian news site, yeah. And then they all came, yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just not talking to these people, it's real easy. Um, our other special guest now, you guys have heard on this podcast over the past few months where I'll talk about and you know, someone Mark and I work with who's way more knowledgeable at this point than us and knows all these fuckers on these on the prelims. That is our special guest right now. Please welcome a junior, junior, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Um, so just a, a quick spiel. I obviously haven't been watching MMAs uh, as long as our esteemed hosts here. Um, but for the past uh, couple years or so, I've watched pretty much every early prelim. Uh, I usually bet on all of them. Um, I'm up maybe a, a couple grand lifetime, so I'm not getting banned from any sport book, sports books. But uh, <laughs> yo, I, yo, I we need we, we need Junior to be our like our fucking betting insider. Like we have a segment every week where like, yo man, I don't think what is any your of us have been concerned about being banned from any sport books right now. Right now, it's just like, yes, please give us your money with your horrible parlays. That By the way, um, this is more of an off. Uh, this is more of an out after the podcast conversation, but we might be interviewing Shannon Knapp, president of Invicta. Oh, that'd be we might be, and by might I mean if Mark wants to do it. Because he's the only one I trust out of all of us to do this. <laughs> okay. I've been really keeping my uh, finger on the pulse. Exactly. Um, we, we have been like invited. That. We have been invited to interview Shannon now. Well, that's, that's weird. Mark's wondering <laughs> why I didn't bring this up in the nine hours we stared at each other from across the room. But I forgot. Um, all right. Sure, um, so, yeah. Junior here. Um, we asked him to hop on the podcast this week because we knew we didn't have Mike. And the stuff on... Stefan just joined, and we're like, well, fuck it. Here we go. Let's, it's a party. Full house, um, baby. I got some yeah. cross-promoting to do, baby. That's right. All right. So we're going to try to talk a little bit. Of, we have a lot of fights to go through. This UFC 276 card is fucking stacked. Notably, the Ian Gary versus Gabriel Green fight, which Stefan's <laughs> fucking just shit on, as despite our excitement for Ian Gary. I mean, I really like Ian Gary. I do, too. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> um, But we're going to talk real quickly about... um. This lightweight fight that main evented this past Saturday, which quite frankly, mm -hmm. um, gave me a level of like, I mean, it's not confidence, not that I was lacking confidence in the future of this sport talent wise, but 
Marcus Armand Sarukian. Um, I know way too many Armenians to step on that name. Um, I'm just saying Armin. Yeah, so. Armin and uh, Mateus Gamrot. Neither of them in the top 10. I believe they were somewhere between 11 and tw 11 to 15, both of them, on the UFC's. Yeah, I thought it was like 15 and 13. Their or rankings that the UFC pulls out of their ass. These motherfuckers were out there doing technique, Marcus, on a level that you do not expect on guys this young and this, I guess, low on the rankings, I think. I was just, the pace they put on. Everything about it, I was thoroughly impressed by this fight. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, when we did the breakdown last week and we kind of looked into these guys, because they weren't really on either of our radars, um, and looking at Armand specifically, you know, we got to see highlights of his uh, Islam fight. I think that that put a really big spotlight on just, you know, where he is technique-wise, you know, to be able to go the distance with Islam. I think he even may have gone around against him. Kind of tells you where his, uh, you know, his skill level's at. And then Game Rot too is like another guy that haven't really seen. Uh, and we were kind of dogging on the card. And to be fair, you know, when it comes to star power, it lacked a lot of that. But what it did kind of force us and, you know, hopefully more of the casuals, which I think we now fall under, is to kind of Fuck. see what the new emerging talent is. Because like we mentioned so many times week and week again, we have so many of these cards. There's so many fighters that we're not seeing that we're not really following their story or really seeing, you know, where the bar is being set. This was kind of a nice change of pace to have two young guys main event in the UFC to kind of put a spotlight on them and say like, look at like, this is a fight that's worthy of a main event. That's worthy of your time. That's worthy to host a card. You know, now it's in the apex. It's not like they're trying to sell out an arena, but putting that spotlight, I think is a good move that, you know, maybe the UFC will do more and it's tough. You know, I, I can't sit here and be like, Oh, this is a genius move by them. This is exactly what they need to do. And we talked shit about it last week, you know, even though we all recognize that this was probably going to be a high level fight. And that's what we got, um, you know, breaking down the fight itself. When it came to grappling, these two guys are at such a high level. It basically nullified each other, but was, which was still cool is sometimes we do see high level grapplers that don't feel comfortable engaging in that. So we end up getting, you know, what would be like a sloppier stand-up fight. Both these guys throughout the entire fight and, and Gamrat, his strategy going into the, to deeper rounds, you know, bared some fruit. They still went after it. You know, they still went for takedowns. And even though their skill level was so high, they usually negated it. They still had a lot of fun scrambling. Uh -oh. Going into this was, Oh, they got there. lost here. You're still okay. there. I got you. His whole strategy was to to take it into the deep rounds. You know, coming into this fight, they talked about how he's a KSW two division champion. He had a lot of five round experience under his belt, where Armin didn't. His strategy was to take it into deep waters and see just how Armin would do. And that strategy really bore fruit because as he was able to push the pace in those later rounds, especially with the grappling, we saw Armin give a little bit there. He was getting taken down. Not anything super significant, not anywhere where he was on his back for even extended amount of time, but he was giving up a takedown, letting Gamrut kind of get his back and have a little bit more control. And, and I think at the end of the day, when you talk about this fight, you have to talk about how close it was and the call, because while Game Rock got the nod, I think you and me, Bobby, I yeah, thought I was, Armin that was, pulled it off. That was a bad score. Call. I'm, I'll say it. Okay. I, you can't tell me we're scoring a certain way. Like we've all come, I, we're all passing. We're passing out scoring criterias. We all know the name of the game here is damage and like the grappling you do has to have some sort of impact immediately, right? Set you up for mm -hmm. something or something. His grappling did nothing. Okay, I'm specifically talking about the fourth round here. 
uh, yeah. Armin dropped him. That was a drop. Mm. He dropped him. Then he outstruck him. And nothing Gamrot did for the rest of that round would justify giving him that round. Like, I thought two, I thought one, two, and uh, four were pretty fucking clear. Mm -hmm. I thought it was closer to Armin winning four rounds than uh, Gamrot winning three. Honestly. I thought, like, maybe, I mean, I know I had money on this, so I'm biased. But I really, like, Junior, what'd you think? I really thought, like, we were all treating this like it was 2008, and it was like, oh, we got a takedown. Did he win the round because of that? Like, that was, I didn't think the grappling was effective in any way. What was your opinion? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it was a pretty sketchy decision, but at the same time, it, I, it was almost like expected. Like I cashed out my parlay on this during the fourth round when I started to kind of see it go downhill, and it almost Genius feels like <laughs> it almost feels like lately, or uh, at least as long as I've been watching UFC, judges almost like score fatigue, like because mm. you could kind of tell. Like uh, Mark mentioned, Armand doesn't have the the five round experience, and he did look kind of tired, even though I definitely think he probably should have won by decision. So I feel like the, the judges were looking at him. And even though, like you said, he did drop him, I feel like they they kind of saw that he was tired and they they marked it against him almost. Like, obviously, that's not an actual scoring criteria, but it feels like a lot of the time when you see a guy get tired, the, the decision, like, kind of becomes sketchy at that point. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, lo I'm looking at Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee's name there, and I'm like, these motherfuckers have been screwing up scorecards since I was, like, 17 years old, man. Like, what are we what are we doing here with these schmucks? Um... But, I mean, it didn't really sound me on the fight itself. The fight was excellent. I don't think anybody lost a lot in this one. Um, Stefan, I don't want to act like I'm ignoring you, but you didn't watch this card, right? Oh, no, don't worry. About okay, it. okay. Of course I didn't watch no this No problem. Card. Okay, exactly. No problem. Um, but it was a, it was fight of the night. 50 grand for each of them. Um, good for the boys there. Um, sad for Armin to go home with half his paycheck. Honestly. Um... All right, we got we to gotta talk about Shavkat uh, Rachmanov because mm -hmm. there's a boogeyman at 170 pounds and we've all been acting like it's Chemeyev and it might still be, or it might be this dude. Um, he is 16-0 and 0 with 16 uh, finishes. Mm -hmm. He, and everybody who listens to this podcast for any sustained amount of time knows I'm a big Neil Magny mark for basically no reason. I'm just, but I'm convinced Neil Magny is about a B plus everywhere. Okay, sure. He got he got destroyed. Like Neil Magny got his ass beaten this one, and it was like, it was a sustained ass whooping. And like Neil's lost fights before, it is difficult to look good against him like this. Um, Junior from second one, my boy was screwed. Like it was, he didn't have a prayer. He lost every second of this fight. You walk out of this just immensely impressed by Shavkat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was already pretty impressed with him even going into it. I mm. thought this was pretty free. Like, the odds makers had it at minus 450. Oh, yeah. and even I thought that was generous. Like, those those guys over there are just all killers, and him especially. Like, I, I didn't think Neil Magny had a snowball chance. He's not, he's not Dagestani, right? This uh, Shavkat's not. He's he's not, but he... Uh, oh, he's Kazakh. He, he, Okay. Yeah, he he he's in that circle yeah. sort of like he talks to those guys. I think he's probably trained with Khabib at some point. Oh, good. Is he, whole, he, he's got. I was gonna say, does he have a? Does he have warlord money too? Is that, well, how many other people are getting warlord checks in this sport? Uh, he might be one of them. Um, yeah, I want to see him versus Chimaev. Uh, no, let's not even fuck around here. I know, like, we gotta wait for belts or whatever. Marcus, give me Shavkat mm. versus Chimaev. Let's fucking do this. All right, let him go ten rounds. We're going to just keep going 
until somebody drops. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, he did call out Wonder Boy, and I think stylistically that's a fantastic matchup for him. No yeah. wonder why he called out. I mean, it's a big name. Uh, I doubt he'll get it. Obviously, schedules are going to have to play out, but I do feel after the fight, some of the rumblings I heard is like, he could probably challenge Gilbert Byrne. Burns will take it because he'll take anyone. He took he took Chavmev. Um, what I liked in this fight was it definitely seemed. I think going into the second round, I honestly like. I think he was doing good. He was doing good stuff on the ground and pound. Good stuff on the ground. It did seem like he was kind of just riding it out. Like he would go for some submission attempts, but like when he wasn't feeling it, he let it go. And right towards the end of the second round, I'm like, I think this is going to be his first decision. I think Neil is too much of a vet. He's going to be able, he's going to see the P's and Q's. He's going to be able not to fall into the traps. And that's right where he got caught with the guillotine and, and subbed him. So I was really impressed with just how he wasn't anxious, how he was getting in good spots. He was really just kind of riding the wave. You know, anything Neil gave him, he fired right back. I loved, in the beginning of the round, it looked like Neil wanted to, he was almost giving him his leg with his push kick and his, uh -huh. his kicks to the body. And then he was trying to throw this right hand over top. Like his whole game plan was like, I'm going to kick him to the body. He's going to grab my foot because he wants to take me down so bad. And I'm going to get this great right straight when I'm on one foot. And that's really going to like change because he went for it twice. And I was like, that was a bad plan. And then the second round where it was like, okay, now Neil knows like I can't fuck with this guy on the ground. I really need to stand up. And he still got tuned up there. And it was really just basic stuff. Like with the jab exchanges, he would just pull back and then counter right away. And then very quickly, Neil's like, oh, this isn't working either. He went for the clinch. He tried to he tried to initiate a takedown off the clinch when his back was against the cage. Backfired on him. He really just, like you said, just didn't have any avenue for victory here. And then, you know, towards the end of the round, he's on the bottom. I think he's trying to like make up some ground. He's like, you know what? I'm going to dig in hard with this underhook. I'm going to push my head in. I'm going to try to get a reversal right the last like 10 seconds here and gets caught in a guillotine. I really was a super impressed with how he wasn't pushing anything. He, he took everything Neil gave him, but wasn't trying to advance more than he needed to was just kind of riding that I wave. Was, and when he saw the opportunity, snatched it. So I was listening to, um, I think it was Luke Thomas today. And he was talking about what Shavkat does is, he kind of lets you do what you want to do, but then he uses that against you. Like the mm. way, like is he's very good at just like you think you have some level of you're gaining ground, and he just fucking just turns it on you, pretty naturally. Honestly, um, doesn't look like he's overexerting himself. I don't think at any time either. I was really impressed. He's only 27 years old. Shit's terrifying. Eight knockouts, eight submissions, 16 and 0, all finishes. Biggest win of his career. Uh, now has finishes in the UFC over Alex, uh, I believe this is a Brazilian cowboy, Oliveira. Um, Michel Prazeris, uh, Carlston Harris, and now Neil Magny. I don't know what he was ranked, um, but it's higher. Uh, he's, I like him training over there at Sanford MMA with, um, I forgot his damn name. Hooft, Henry Hooft, with Henry Hooft over there, polishing up that striking even more. Um, the only other one on this card we're going to mention is uh, is our boy Umar Nurmagomedov, who just wore Nate Maness like a hat for three rounds all around the octagon. 30-27, Y'all seen any of Khabib's fights early on when Khabib was fighting guys way out of their depth? That's basically what we had going on here, guys. All right? Um, I don't know. I mean... He's only had three UFC fights. He's 26 years old. It seems like we're really slow play um, 
the gentleman from these part of this part of the world. And I, it, I, I we've mentioned on this podcast for a couple of months now, uh, Junior, and uh, it's that every weight class has got a Dagestani boogeyman coming. Every single fucking one. And some of them more than others. For, at 135, is it Umar Nurmagomedov? Is he coming? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. And he kind of does the same thing. Like why I mentioned uh, Shavkat's kind of in this circle of guys is almost the style. Like, I feel like he probably could have ended this fight if he really went for it, but he just mm. had no need to, right? He's just, you know, in control. He's, he's winning. He can let it go to decision and win. Kind of the same thing Khabib always did. Like, he's not going to go for something super risky, like some crazy submission you see a lot in the prelims where they fail the submission, then run out of gas and lose. So they're just, like, really steady. They're really consistent. It takes something, you know, pretty crazy, like a really talented guy or something really unfortunate for them to lose. Um, so I feel like they're just going to keep on climbing, you know, barring some kind of injury or something. They're, yeah, they're all just coming. He's a uh, older brother of uh, Usman Nurmagomedov. If anybody's still watching Bellator besides me, um, Umar, the older brother here, is fifteen and zero. Usman, I think, is fourteen and zero. So, no one in this fucking family loses. All right, nobody. Glyson Tebow got robbed from a out of a decision against Khabib like nine years ago. That was the best shot any of us ever had of beating anybody in this family. Um. I, I just yeah. got a couple comments, uh, not pertaining to the fights, but, you know, well, I, I've been why, a little unplugged. Why would you? <laughs> why, why would it be related to the fights? Why would I? Why would it be related to the fights? I'm here for color commentary today, fellas, yeah. so you don't don't expect any play-by-play -play breakdown. I guess it's not surprising to me in the slightest because it is the UFC after all, but just from other sports stuff I've been consuming, it's funny to me how of every walk of life, of every organization around the world, organizations cannot ban the Russian athletes and the Russian sympathizer athletes enough from World Cup, from the Olympics, from various, all these activities. UFC, they're like, nah, here's a main event slot. Here's a co-main event slot. Bobby says, let's fast track them to a title shot. Let's give the Russian athletes more stage time. Hey man, we're talking you know, about Sean, we're talking about, we're talking about Sean Strickland who's talking about murdering people in about half an hour. So yeah, we're, this sport is like I said, it's, it's UFC, it's MMA. I'm not surprised by anything yeah. that goes on is, uh, you know, he's, Dana will just chalk it up to difference of opinions. Uh, exactly. But my second comment is actually uh, a tip of the hat to you fellas, because it just makes me think that if ever California sports betting gets its shit in order, I would love to, on a Tuesday night, bet a G League game with the uh, G League Ignite versus the Santa Cruz Warriors, because you degenerates are just betting on these no-name, mm. out-of-ranking cards. Like, I gotta put money on these guys. This is where I know Stephon, I'm gonna you give money. Stephon, I, I lost 60 bucks on this card, okay? <laughs> I lost... I lost 60 bucks, okay? Let me tell you where this went awry, because I was going to mention it anyway. Last week, I talked about how Gegard Mousasi might be the best fighter or not in the UFC. And Gegard, speaking of getting worn like a fucking hat, this dude in Bellator, who's their new middleweight champion, wore Gegard's ass around that cage like a hat for fucking 25 minutes. That was part one of my parlay. Part two was Armin here. Was he Russian? Uh, no, some white dude. I think some corn-fed white dude fucking, you know... Just carried him around the cage. Gegard eventually got old, man. It took a while. It took 60 fights, and Gegard got old. Um, but yeah, I lost money two different ways, basically, this week, and it was wonderful. Um, all right, we're not going to talk yet too much more, and we're not going to talk about the rest of this card, because quite frankly, we have a lot more to talk about, but um, Alan Badeau had no business being on this main card. He was a heavyweight, and like once Josh Parisian realized Alan knows about as much about wrestling as I personally do, Really just started going south for him, guys. Really started going south. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, and Rodolfo Vieira is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion who might want to consider taking any other aspect about this sport more seriously because it's the people have figured out don't go to the ground with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. This is not 1993. Um, all right, quick MMA news this week. Honestly, the only thing I saw, and I'm not sure how carefully I was looking, was that we lost uh, from the main card this week the opportunity to watch the self-proclaimed queen of flyweights now, or whatever she called herself, Misha Tate. Um, we lost the opportunity to watch Lauren Murphy beat her because I was 100% about to pick Lauren Murphy just on principle right there, right or wrong. Um, sounds like Miss Murphy's got COVID though. So and they're going to move this fight back to July 16th. Are we going to see if the person with COVID is going to be okay by that? We don't know. No, we don't. Maybe they might be okay. We're not going to check. All right. We know Lauren Murphy's probably making 30 and 30 and is going to take that fight no matter what. Um, Dana White also said, go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, I was going to chime in. I saw a headline today. Uh, It's 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 MMA tangentially. Uh, Gina Carano has not ruled out the possibility of fighting Ronda Rousey. And I thought it would be perfect to host on. What is that? Uh, I don't know the name of it. It's that all the canceled comedians and actors platform that released a Donald Cerrone movie. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, fuck. I know a streaming platform yeah. for uh, assholes. Exactly. Is what That's what it is. I'll put her on there. Um, Dana White says uh, John Jones is ready to go. We'll face. Oh, I mean, what? When the? Okay. We'll face Francis Ngannou or Stipe Miocic next. Wondering what the equation is for. I mean, are they going to pay Francis? <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> is that happening? Francis ain't coming back, guys. Um, What's the interim champion doing? I, I, there I haven't no, seen any heavyweights names. There isn't, out there. A, there, what, isn't a, there isn't a heavyweight champion right now. It's Francis Ngannou who's the heavyweight champion. Yep. There, there's no they interim. They didn't do yet. the interim with Gone. Nah, they uh, is Gone booked. They they did. Francis won it. No, no. They just wrestled. No, before he's saying oh, now that Francis right. is now, but now France Francis beat Gone, and now again there's no interim, and Gone and Francis right. is gonna leave. Basically. Francis is still the champion. Francis no said actually right uh, a couple days ago that he's going to be ready to fight in December. So I don't know if the John Jones thing is going to happen, like if they're actually paying him. But he did say, like, I'm going to be in good condition to fight in December, whatever that means. It could mean he's boxing uh, Tyson Fury. But right. yeah, he, he said, said he said there's no December. new deal without him having an out to be able to fight Tyson. So he wants to fight Tyson Fury. And I hope he gets that yeah. opportunity because that's a lot of a lot of money. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Not that any of us think he'd win. Um, all right. Um, yeah, Bellator's got a new middleweight champion. I should say the motherfucker's name. I'm, I feel bad now. I talked about it. he beat Musasi for the love of God five rounds to nothing. I know his nickname's the Human Cheat Code. That's the only thing I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Johnny Eblen, the Human there Cheat Code, coming to you from American American Top Team. Stay winning belts, man. American Top Team had like no belts for years, and now they just win shit left and right. Um, Twelve and zero fighter. One of these Bellator projects. Um, yeah, good for him. Took care of, took out Gegard. Um, and, all right, let's get into UFC 276. Yeah. Israel Adesanya, Jared Cannonier. Double main event with Alex Volkanovsky, Max Holloway. This fucker's top to bottom stacked. Um, we're going to go through this main card, which currently has four fights. I don't know what they're going to do. About the fifth one, quite frankly. Um, I think they should bring this Uriah Hall fight up from the early prelims. I think that's actually not a bad fight. I think Andre Muniz is tough. 
Uriah's tough. That's actually a pretty good fight. But we'll see. Um, make our picks here. We're going to have... We're going to track Junior's picks too. Stefan, you want to make some picks? You're welcome to as well. Okay? Um, we can all be more right than Mike. Um, all right. Um, so it's by percentage, right? So if I go f- like 5-0, and oh, I beat Mike for the year and that's that. <laughs> no, I want to keep my... I, I, I want to keep, keep my belt. Okay? <laughs> I'm keeping my... I am keeping my belt. Where is Mike in the rankings this year, Phil? Last. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly. He's behind Chalk yeah, at the moment. Now he's last and he's behind let's, Chalk. Let's, let's recap the standings here for those of you uh, who are not on our website because no one is. Marcus, why don't you tell them yeah. uh, what the rankings are right now? Yeah, you're ahead, Bob, at 30 and 14. I'm right behind you at 29 and 15. Chalk's right behind me at 28 and 16. And then Mike is pulling up the rear at 27 and 17. That's right. Just picking the favorites. Better than Mike. Um, Stefan's like, that's what I used to do. <laughs> so I've, I've been replaced by a statistic I yeah, basically exactly um we're gonna track junior's picks here he might come back later on another time we're gonna want to know if he's i mean he probably is better than us at this just based on the he only tells me when he wins money he only tells me when he wins money though he doesn't tell me the ones he's lost all right i just want to say that all right like, Izzy I, I, no, no, Bobby. I, I sat this one out i didn't i didn't put anything on this one no why would yeah. i um uh, you, you are the call <laughs> Uh, Izzy Adesanya taking on the number two ranked Jared Cannoneer. Jared, I believe, is the Killer Gorilla, if I'm not mistaken. That's his nickname. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, if he's still using it, but that was. I like that nickname. I hope he does. That's not bad. Um, Jared Cannoneer is coming into this fight as I kill for time here. Um, being unbeaten since suffering that loss to uh, Robert Whitaker. Two straight wins over Kelvin Gastelum and Derek Brunson. That is five of six victories overall. Four of those being finishes. Finishes being over the aforementioned Brunson, Danson Jack Hermanson, Anderson Silva, and good Lord David Branch. Man, what David Branch up to, man? Right, he came in World Series of Fighting with two belts. Don't see him no more. Uh, Jared Cannonier previously fought at heavyweight, and then he lost some weight and fought at light heavyweight, and now he looks like he's made of fucking granite. Um, I think it's from all the crystals he believes in and prays to. Not kidding. That is a thing for Jared Cannonier. Um, well, is yeah, he the honest? part of the pandemic when they were in Dubai? He brought all his crystals. He brought all the crystals. He had a suitcase. Just, he opened it up he on the beach. All it was crystals. crystals. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, he's fighting for a world title this Saturday, Steph. You and me aren't. So maybe we need some crystals. Um, is he Adesanya coming off of a win over Robert Whitaker? A back-to-back decision wins over Marvin Vittori and Robert Whitaker. Pretty handedly beat Vittori. I I think Robert took one, if not two, rounds. Um, looks like um, two scorecards gave Whitaker two rounds. One gave him one round. A much better performance than the first time they fought where our boy Bobby Knuckles got trounced. The betting odds for this one. Mike isn't here, but we will try to honor Mike by talking about FanDuel. FanDuel has Izzy Adesanya as a way bigger favorite than for our DraftKings. Wow. Minus 440 for Izzy Adesanya. Plus 310 for Jared Cannonier. I'm in first. I got a pick, don't I? Is that how we're doing this still? Yeah. All right. I, I made that a rule stuff. Okay, I'm picking. Bobby I'm to pick first when he's leading. At least the first leading fight. And be like, oh, Mark, you pick first. It's like, nah, 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 nah. I'm picking at least the first fight here first. Um, sure. I think this has trap fight written all over it, to be honest. Um, you got Izzy Adesanya out there talking about uh, one of the other guys on the card, Alex Pereira, a man who knocked him out um, in kickboxing. Fucking cold. Uh, he cracked him. Um, 
we also got him talking about making another sojourn up to light heavyweight. Um, Jared Cannonier, I let me make this get this out of the way. I'm picking Izzy Adesanya to win this, but I have no worries about Jared Cannonier believing he can win this fight. Okay, Jared Cannonier looks like he fully believes he's going to go out there and become middleweight champion this week. Um, I don't think the moment's going to get to him. That being said, I'm a, I think Izzy's talent will prevail here. You can hit Jared, man. You can hit Jared. It can be done. Bobby Knuckles is having it, doesn't have too much trouble doing it, quite frankly. Um, I There's a lot of footage on Izzy. Cannoneer's got to not get leg kicked. Um, if the leg kicks are working Izzy, early for Izzy, he gets in a rhythm. You got to pull a yawn and take him down or check him or something. But yeah, I got... I. It's going to be a lot. I think this line is, I think it's closer than this line, given the circumstances surrounding the fight. But I got Izzy Adesanya. Um, Marcus, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you too. Um, I do think Cannoneer is kind of a live dog in this, just because he does have the power. And also coming from heavyweight, and he's probably going to be bulking up a little bit after he makes weigh-ins. Like, I, I think like, he might physically be maybe the stronger fighter. I think a lot of the questions are going to be answered on the outside. If Cannonier can get on the inside and, you know, able to score his, I mean, cause really his big knockouts don't come from something super flashy. It's usually a nice right straight. Yeah. Um, and we've seen sometimes, especially in the first round Izzy starts a little bit slow. He's trying to gauge distance. If Cannonier can utilize a lot of pressure and try to get something going, I think that's his best shot, but it is going to be tough on the outside negating that reach getting through the the leg kicks and the jab and you know the footwork of izzy is going to be a problem in and of itself but i do feel cannoneer you know like you said bobby i think there's a lot of confidence i think he knows that he has the power to put anyone away at this weight class he feels very comfortable at this weight class i'm sure he feels like all the stars are aligning for him to pull off a big upset and potentially he could but it is tough to pick against someone like um izzy who has just done so well in this weight division and really hasn't shown anyone to really give him a lot of problems and it's hard to imagine someone like uh Kananir who's gonna you're gonna think his best bet is gonna be in the stand-up is gonna be hitting him with a big strike it's hard to think Izzy's gonna get caught in that like what is probably you know his best field in combat is on the outside in free motion him to get caught there would be somewhat surprising but you know yeah I, I'm not gonna be no nah, I'll be pretty shocked if Kananir can pull it off uh but again like I do feel you know, like we talked about before, you know, just about everyone gets their L at some point, you know. And if Izzy is looking at um, fighting Alex and going up in weight, maybe he's a little unfocused. Maybe, you know, things aren't as finely tuned. I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think he's going to be in good shape. I think this is a stylistically a strong fight for him. And as long as he can negate that range and make sure he doesn't get crowded up against the cage where he can't, you know, use his footwork to back out he's probably going to be able to utilize his striking very well. I mean, he's and, a very smart fighter, too. Like, I'm, I'm saying it's a trap fight. I think he knows this is a trap fight, too. I think Izzy is yeah. fully aware of what's going on. I think he's going to finish. I think he's going to finish. You know, while we've seen him go to the distance. You know, Jared is not going to Jared's not going to be just like, oh, I've lost four rounds. Let me make sure I don't get knocked out on pay-per-view. Jared yeah, is going to fucking, he's going to bite down and go for this thing. Yeah, so um, I think there will be a finish. I think Izzy will get it. But, you know, I think Jared's, you know, it's. I think it's going to be a game yeah. fight. Look at all this analysis from me and Mark. We're trying to show Junior we actually know some stuff. Give it another fight or two, Junior. I'm just going to say, fuck it, I got Riddell. That's coming. Um, all right, who do you got for this one, buddy? Who do you got, Junior? 
Um, I definitely got Izzy, but um, to echo some of what Mark said, um, or I guess I'll, I'll just go off on my own. So Izzy did lose to Pereira twice in uh, kickboxing, but he also yeah. lost to some other people. I think he has like five kickboxing losses. Um, but the, the most recent one was in 2017. And since then, I feel like he's gotten a lot better. Um, they also did some, a bunch of like people that are way more into this than us, uh, did like frame by frame analysis. And he, Izzy actually has the fastest reaction time of almost anyone in the UFC bar, like the featherweights, just in terms of like dodging strikes and stuff. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So I think now with his experience and everything, he's really only losing to how Jan beat him. And obviously Jan was a higher weight class, but he's losing to someone where like reaction time doesn't matter because you get taken down and they're just too heavy and you can't get out. Although I imagine he would practice that after that loss. So I don't think he's losing to a striker in his own weight class like ever. Um, that being said, I am a little bit concerned about his mental game. I don't know if you guys have seen the promo they've been running, but he keeps saying like, oh, I don't care about wins or losses. I just want to try new techniques, which is like yeah, a weird thing for a champion. Yeah, to say, now this but... is the type of shit we used to get from Anderson Silva too, where he's like, oh, I want who do you want to fight? I want to fight my clone and figure him out. This is the weird shit you say when you're a middleweight champion. We've just come to learn this, okay? <laughs> All right. Trey Jones did that on the come up too. He's like, yeah. I watched this on YouTube and I'm going to try it now. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> When you're a prodigy, you just say this shit. Um, Mike, by the way, has taken Izzy as, as all. Stefan, right. you know Jared. You know Izzy. You, I mean, you've been a, you were a big style bender guy too. You think he's, Izzy's gonna go out there and take care of business this weekend? I haven't followed the promo of the fight, so the key determining factor comes down to I need Mark to answer this important question: Was there a countdown show, and did Izzy try swimming in the ocean for a <laughs> there third was, time? There was no swimming. I knew you were gonna ask this. There was no swimming. Uh, Junior, I had mentioned a couple of times where Izzy was talking about his great condition and they go in the New Zealand ocean and like they're all holding their breath and Izzy was always the first guy up and I was like, I don't know if he's got Izzy from ones. New Zealand? That's a sad part too. Weren't you by the but, water I, the whole time? Yeah, he wasn't born there, but yeah, you know, look at you're, you're not swimming. We're not fighting in the kiddie pool, okay? It's in the octagon. I think he'll oh, he was born in Nigeria. Anyway, yeah, he was born in Nigeria. And I think because I did, I actually did watch the countdown, not looking for any swimming uh, segments or anything like that. But I just kind of am going through the slider bar, seeing are we at the ocean ever? That, anyway, that was just a little bit I need. Um, Junior, Bobby and Mark do what I used to call the Stefan special, and it is called get, making the case for the other fighter, but then being too much of a coward to pick him. Yes. So. To kind of go against the grain of that, I'm going to say it. Jared Cannonier is the archetype of what Izzy smokes. This is easy. It's like Ugh. the big Brazilian guy. Izzy might hump Cannonier and offend him in some way in the end. This is all dancing, all show. I'm here to see what anime is he going to reference in his walkout. That's the highlight of this match. Izzy By the way, I, I mentioned it, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Izzy Adesanya's uh, YouTube channel is really fun. Hey, him watching fights and calling for stuff, I really enjoy. It's It's good stuff. And then he was on Alex Volkanovsky's YouTube channel. Alex is cooking. And they made kangaroo burgers. And I was like, I don't know where to get kangaroo, but I, I could pull this off with beef. This looks like a tasty burger. It kind of makes me feel bad about the kangaroos, but I mean, kangaroos over... can be vicious creatures. Yeah. One I mean, uh, the... Pat Berry did show us a video of a kangaroo headlocking another kangaroo until it passed out and flexing oh over its. My dog's acting like this is corpse. a normal podcast. It was just so. knocked out. This is unconscious. Um, <laughs> All right, um, co-main event, Alex Volkanovsky, Max Holloway. Um, I just, I, I went back and forth. I was listening to a, a morning combat this morning, and I went back and forth between who I was picking for this one like three times. But, because I, I thought Max won the second fight. I think a lot of people thought Max won the second fight. Some people thought Max won the first fight. I don't know how you came up to that, came to that determination necessarily. Um, 
I... These are the two best featherweights, and it's not even close. Like, it's impressive, the gap we have between them and the next guys. I'm gonna... I, I'm going Alex. Uh, betting odds for this one, I should have mentioned. Betting odds for this one on uh, FanDuel, minus 205, Volkanovski, plus 158 to Max Holloway. Um, when they fought last time, the betting odds going into their second fight was basically this. Um, minus 190 to month, plus 165 then. It tells you how close that second fight was that we're doing this a third time, quite frankly. When a guy's up 2 nothing, we normally don't do this a third time. I'm thinking Alex. I The coin flip is he did it twice. He beat him two times. And, man, eventually... We're going to get the bill on Max getting in these fights that are like, he gets his, he gets hit, he gets knocked around a bit in some of these, man. I mean, that Yair one wasn't that pleasant for him, I felt. Um, so I got Alex getting another W here and then doing whatever he wants after because his man said he wants another belt. And if we get our dude, Charles Oliveira, taking on Alex Volkanovsky, I don't even know what that looks like. And I'd like to see it. But yeah, I got Volkanovski. Junior, who do you got in this one? I, I can tell you how that fight goes real quick, Bob. Is uh, First round, Volkanovski drops Oliveira, and then Oliveira smokes the shit out of Volkanovski. Well, that's how these normally go. Have you not Oliver. watched a Charles Oliveira <laughs> fight? That's how they go. He gets dropped, and then he kills you. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. Junior, who do you got? <laughs> yeah, I got I got Volk. I think it'll be close, but um, like you said, Holloway with the Yair fight, I don't think that was like particularly great for him. And it was also a while ago versus Volk just fought Zombie and it was an absolute slaughter. So he's got kind of the confidence and like no damage, but also, you know, a that made me so up. sad. That zombie yeah, fight, I didn't really think it was sad. possible for me to feel depressed as much as I did, even knowing he was going to lose. Steph, did you pay attention to that one? Um, so that'll transition into my pick because that's the last MMA fight I watched. And you're like, I and, am done. Uh, <laughs> after, after, I, after I did that, I took my shoes off, left them in the middle of the living room, and I walked out of my own condo because uh, I, re I retired from watching that ever again. Yeah, be uh, it, as a mental gymnastics, I watched the last time I saw Alexander Volkanovsky is he absolutely annihilated my favorite fighter of all time. <laughs> and so I cannot accept that anyone is better than him. So this guy must be the the alpha male. He must be the supreme being because he's undefeated for the rest of his career. That that's how I have to believe it. So uh, Alex is just better than everyone because he did that to Zombie, and that really. Marcus, really can you tell me what Mike picked? And I'm assuming you're all you're joining us on Team Volker. I think I don't know. I think you are. Yeah, this this could be a good one where we all get one more over Mike because he is picking Holloway. Um, and I'll play a little devil's advocate. I mean, I think the one thing we can look at these fights and potentially take something away with maybe Holloway, you know, stealing the belt here is that he has gotten better, right? The way he performed in his first fight against Volkanovsky and his second fight, he did a lot better. He made some adjustments to, you know, acquit himself a little bit better, even though he still didn't get the nod. You know, those were very close rounds. For me, I have a hard time seeing Max finish Alex. And I think when it comes down to a technical fight, Alex just his output's a lot higher. And I think he, his output's going to be higher because every, and I, one thing, like, I don't want to like hate on the guy, but I haven't gotten like fully like, Oh, I'm super excited. Anytime Alex fights um, is because I think he fights every exchange as like, it's only to win every exchange. I need to get in score, get out without getting hit. 
And so, and personally, I like the guys that kind of go after it a little bit more and get the finishes. Now, obviously, with Zombie, he was so ahead of the game that those points accumulated so quickly. He was able to, to finish him. And I think it was like in the second or third round, he was able to put him away. I, Max is too durable, I think, to get put away. So I think it's going to be another decision. I think it's going to be a very closely contested fight where both guys are going to get their hits in. But unless Max is able to turn it up and really trap Alex against the cage, negate his his ability to to get out of the exchanges, I feel like he's going to have a hard time catching him. That's something that Alex is so good is that his all of his entrances are different. He's always going to set up how he's going to negate that that distance different with a different strike or a different feint to keep you guessing. Now, now they have 10 rounds. Maybe Alex can start picking up on some of those and start saying like, okay, when he throws a you know inside low kick, he likes to do this or that. You know, maybe he can pick up on those and try to intercept. So it's going to be a counter. very high level fight too. This, this is going to be a very yeah. very I, high level fight, and it's going to be Alex's type of fight. He loves doing that. He likes being on the outside and figuring out like, okay, I'm going to use a couple feints, and when I'm comfortable, I'm going to use my in my strike to get in. And a lot of times, his first strike is just to negate the distance, and then once he's in the pocket, I'm going to do one two and then out. You know, and usually by that. That chance the other opponent is trying to counter, they whiff, and that cycle tends to repeat itself with just different, you know, numbers playing out. You know, how he enters is different, what he exits with is different. Maybe he goes in a clinch and then exits the clinch and a strike. Like he's a very cerebral fighter that really can pick apart people. So it's hard to think Max is going to be able to intercept him when he's usually always dictating the pace. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely got um, Alex. Max is going to have to do something different, though, and I think he knows that. And whether it's kind of selling out and just getting overly aggressive and maybe doing something foolish, or he's going to try to play this game and hopefully he can try to intercept something. I think it's there's a reason why Alex has been so successful. And, you know, even though Max is a fantastic fighter, I feel like when he's not the one dictating the pace, when he's not the one that's setting up his shots and he's reacting, he tends not to do quite as well. So I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think it's going to be bloody. Um, I, and I think that's another thing that goes against Max. Like that dude marks up a little bit easier. He swells up a little bit easier. He bleeds a little bit easier. So when the judges are looking at the criteria of damage and they're like, okay, maybe the strikes are fairly close, but Max's eyes puffy. He's bleeding a little bit more than, um, Volkanovsky. They tend to give the, the nod in that direction too. So yeah, I think and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a close matchup. And, uh, the first fight, I was just looking at the stats. Every media member scored it for Volkanovsky along with about 80% of the fan base, on uh, 90% of the fan base. Um, when, I'm ta- when I'm saying these things, guys, if anybody's curious, you can check them out at MMADecisions.com. Very good aggregator. The second fight, it looks like media had about it 60-40 in favor of uh, Holloway, 60% for Holloway. Mm. And the fan base had it probably 2-1 to one for Holloway. Um, so it was a close fight, man, that second one. It was a really close fight. So we'll see. I, I hope Alex's manager has negotiated some sort of immediate rematch if he loses. Because if you take a third fight after you won the first two, you should. If he loses, he should get an immediate rematch. I don't well, care if he get. I don't care if he gets in, by a fucking fireball. There's not much in the division okay? <laughs> either, though, Bob. Which kind of tough. Well, we is talked like... about it last week. We I think we all came to the same page. If if Alex, we think the next contender, and this all goes to shit. If Alex is leaving the weight class to go on a vacation for six months to fight at a different weight class, you got to think if Yair beats. Ortega, he's getting a title shot. Mm. And if Yair doesn't win, you're going to think that Josh Emmett probably has earned it. And I'm not sure how much Josh Emmett versus Alex Volkanovsky makes Dana White's socks roll up and down. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to see what's going on there. All right, picking up the pace a little bit because this is going to be a long I will say, 
for these two title fights topping this card, uh, a bit of me is shocked that they didn't put this event in Oceania somewhere. There are enough. I didn't. So what you mentioned it earlier, I was going to bring it up. Um, you mentioned the thing where K BTS is getting like an exemption. You said for this, are they yeah. or not? So an exemption that City Kickboxing wanted, which is the team that is where Izzy Adesanya is at, um, Alex Volkanovsky, Brad Riddell, who's on this card, Kai Kara France. The best yeah, I just thought fight it would, team. It would have been great to give so them their home audience with so many members of the are team. Not, they are leaving. And Dan Hooker's there too. They want to leave. They're leaving New Zealand. I think they're moving to the US. And part of it is because they applied for an exemption for COVID travel and stuff. Um, that was given to the... I forgot the name of the team they got in New Zealand, but they got this rugby team that is just the fucking... They, they're the best over there, I guess. Is it the got All Blacks? A, yeah, the All Blacks or something. All Blacks. The All Blacks. The All Blacks got an exemption, and these guys did not. And the, quite frankly, Izzy Adesanya especially was very offended because they think they are a great representation of their country. Quite frankly, they are. None of their fighters, they all win shit, and nobody does anything bad. Like, no one's doing saying any dumb shit. And fucking Izzy's out there trying to campaign for abortion rights and stuff. Um... So that was part of it, I think. I think that's why they're not... Izzy doesn't want to fight there anymore. Um, but yeah, they got three fighters on this card at least. In uh, Riddell, Izzy, and Alex Volkanovsky. Um, Eugene Behrman's such a good coach. Just want to say that. Such a good coach. And it's nice that he's getting a little attention. All right, picking up the pace here. Uh, Sean Strickland, Alex Pereira. Uh, this is a pretty much a pick em fight. Well, okay, depends where you go. On FanDuel, minus 130 Pereira, plus 102 Sean Strickland. A little closer other places. I don't... Does Sean Strickland not have a loss? And I invent that in my head? Uh, Sean no, Strickland? He's have a loss. No, he's got three losses. What am I saying? Okay, here we go. He's ran <laughs> off uh, six straight in the UFC. He's real boring. Um, Alex... A man talks a lot for a guy who's going to decision a lot. He's going to kill everybody with his pillow hands. Um, Alex Pereira, we mentioned it, man, beat Izzy Adesanya, knocked him out with a left hook back in 2017, uh, knocked him, uh, won a decision back in 2016. It was just the two times they fought, right, Junior? Uh, yeah, they only fought yeah. twice. He has a long yeah. kickboxing career, though, obviously. Yeah. By the way, everybody watch Glory. Glory's a good show. Glory's more entertaining than UFC. Come on, man. You guys all complaining about grappling? Glory's great. Um... Sean Strickland last time won a split over uh, Jack Hermanson. His six fight six fight win streak, um, pretty much just the entire middleweight, middle of the pack there. Nordin Taleb, Jack Marshman, Brendan Allen, Kristoff Jotko, Uriah Hall, and Jack Hermanson. Um, he's probably threatening shooting people or something. I don't know. Um, Alex Pereira, since been the UF, since being in the UFC. He got two wins over two guys who nobody... I mean, you might know who Bruno Silva is. You might know who Andreas Michelatis is. Man's 5-1. and one. This man possibly be, is, is just... He picked up his MRA, MMA career two years ago because he saw Izzy Adesanya there. And he's like, I can make some money beating this motherfucker a third time. It's the general impression I get from Alex Pereira. That being said, I'm picking this dude to win because I'm sick of the Sean Strickland stuff. Quite frankly... Um, Sean Strickland, anytime anything comes out of his mouth, I think, you know what? The fighters make enough money. They're fine. They don't, they don't, the fighter pays a fine issue. They all make more too much money, quite frankly, when I hear Sean Strickland talk. 
Um, and Alex Pereira is over there training with Glover over at Teixeira MMA and Fitness. And you know, man, they had a good thing. They had just had a champion. It's a good gym. And again, I just don't want Sean Strickland to win. So this is just me picking because what I want. I'm taking Alex Pereira. Ma Mark, who's taking? Who's Mike taking? Uh, Mike's got uh, Strickland. All right. Um, who you got? I'm also taking Strickland. Um, I I mean, well, I agree with you wholeheartedly like this. No, you're making the smart pick here, buddy. I just can't. I'm just done. Yeah, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm getting one on you here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do like how strong Strickland fights. Dude loves this. I mean, anyone that's just going to sit in the pocket like this guy does is going to earn my respect and win most of the exchanges. Like that. What, what I like in this fight is hopefully he doesn't do that. If he wants to stand with Alex, I think that's going to be a huge problem. I think is idiotic as many of his comments are that he's smart enough to realize like my avenue to winning is using the tools that alex is you know not as familiar with the grappling ground fighting stuff like that um but at the same time i could see strickland being like you i don't know, think I'm he's a, that smart <laughs> it, well, I, I could see ego kind of playing into it i could see him being like i want to test myself against a he really only averages one takedown per 15 minutes also well it's not his style he does yeah. like to stand and strike you know and but for me, it's just like as impressive as I am with Alex and his kickboxing career and having those wins over Izzy is a huge feather in his cap. It's hard to think he's going to make this transition into MMA so flawlessly. He's going to be able to jump into the UFC and then get tested against these upper echelon guys because I feel so far they've been they've been building him up, which I think is smart. I think they know that if they can get the wins he needs, him and an Izzy fight would be really big because I think it's, it's Izzy, next. I mean, you're, you're saying it, Mark. You, they're picking these fights for him. They gave him two guys who aren't going to wrestle. They gave him another guy who doesn't wrestle. He might wrestle. You're right. Sean might wrestle in this fight, but he hasn't yet. He is not a wrestler. Yeah, He's I mean, real fucking stupid. They, they're, like they're really goosing it. It's, if he wins this fight and knocks out Sean, would it be that much of a stretch for him to get a title shot? I mean, it wouldn't because the UFC will do whatever the fuck they want. They really don't care about, you know, <laughs> guys that really, you know, put the put the miles in to earn it. And it would be a big payday for them, right? Because, I mean, Izzy wants it so bad. He's already talking about it. He's already kind of getting hyped for it. Um, but I, I have to feel like, look, if I'm an MMA fighter and I'm fighting someone like this, like, I'm going to utilize those skills that I have where this guy probably is just not as strong. You know, I think stylistically, that's just a smart move. Now, whether Strickland does it or not, you know, we'll see if he wants to stand there and get his head bounced off the canvas, you know, like I'm not going to shed a tear. I don't like the guy that much. I do think he's, it would be a really interesting contest for as long as it lasts because this guy does know how to stand up. He does. Like, like I said, he sits in the pocket. He knows how to move his head. He knows how to negate damage when he gets hit. But I just think you're playing with fire. If that's what he, if that's going to be the Avenue he picks for this fight is like, I'm going to beat this guy at his best thing because I'm that good. And I'm going to show Izzy that I could beat the guy striking that you couldn't. I think is a foolish endeavor for him. Uh, but I wouldn't be this surprised. This is his first time fighting on pay-per-view. I think on the main card. I think he's mm -hmm. been on the prelims before. I, this is the biggest fight of Sean Strickland's life. He's made event at these Apex shows where nobody was there. Right. This is the biggest fight of his career. He had the good sense when he fought Uriah Hall not to fuck around. You know, yeah. he took Uriah Hall four well, times down. So he yeah, might. I, I feel like he's going to get the nod here, but... I personally is like as a fan that wants to see a fun fight i hope he stands with them and they just have a kickboxing match and this dude gets his brains punched in but i feel like he knows that he might not be smart enough to get to the title yeah we'll yeah see. and we'll um see. you said mike also picked him right yeah junior am i i'm not here picking with my heart what do you what do you what do you got here 
Uh, so I think this really comes down to over whether Sean Strickland chooses to wrestle or not. Because um, I don't know. We're if all assuming knew. he knows what he's doing. By the way, we're all assuming he's like good at this <laughs> or, or good enough to take down a kickboxer. Basically, is what we're saying, right? Right. <laughs> right. Because okay. Pereira lost his uh, debut fight at Jungle Fight '82 to a rear naked choke to some guy that nobody's ever heard of. And then he's just been rattling off wins since by like crazy knockouts because they they're giving him guys that don't wrestle, like you said. Um, so ultimately, I think it comes down to that. I have Pereira, honestly. I think Sean might might get baited into not wrestling. We'll see. I think I think Mark has more faith in him than I do. Which I think, think someone well has to right. someone has to teach Pereira how to say you're a pussy, and that's <laughs> all it will take. Okay, it's how weak this person is. All right. Yeah, it's um, going to come down to the press conference, honestly. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, the look, press conference, he's training with Glover. He's training with Glover. He's going to tell him, man, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? That's my Glover impression. Okay? It's real. It's not good. Um, there's another. Yeah, speaking, of, speaking of guys getting tested. I mean, this is a real guy for Sean O'Malley. And last time they tried to not give him a real guy was Cheeto Vera. And we learned Cheeto Vera is a real fucking guy. And we live in this weird world where Sean O'Malley thinks he actually won that fight. As if Cheeto Vera didn't fucking knock him out. Like, because he had a hurt leg. Yeah, okay. You got knocked. You got separated from your senses. Kid. Um, Pedro Munoz taking on Sean O'Malley. Actually, I had a lot of respect for Sean O'Malley's strategy of them trying to give him really good fighters when he was still making no money. He said, no, nah, man, you got to pay me to fight the good people. Sounds like they paid him a little bit. Um, Sean O'Malley... He just beat up another guy nobody knew. Uh, Raleigh and Paiva um, got a performance of the night. Taking on Pedro Munoz here. Pedro Munoz is losing a lot of fights. But Pedro Munoz is losing these fights to like the fucking champion. Old man Edgar. The other fucking champion, Jose Aldo. And a whole ass another champion in Dominic Cruz. He's every All these people have been champions. Okay. If you're a champion, Pedro Munoz is not beating you. Um, in the middle there, he beat Jimmy Rivera. Man, we all thought Jimmy Rivera was going to be something. What happened? Um, betting odds for this one, minus 260 for Sugar Sean. Pedro Munoz at plus 220. I, I'm letting Junior say this first, go first, because he looks like he wants to say something here. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think these odds are a gift. I've been a Sean O'Malley hater for a long time. They literally just kept giving him cans. And he's he's not even on fight nights. He's just always at a pay-per-view because Dana wants to promote him because he's good yeah. for the brand or whatever. He has personalities, the next McGregor. And honestly, I think he's been kind of successful from a marketing standpoint. Like people see him on this card, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like that adds value. But I think I think he's gonna get clobbered, or at least like he shouldn't be a minus two hundred sixty or whatever favorite. Like that the, he's good, he's flashy, but he's just not like you know what I want? I want guy. I want uh the guy who called him out last week. I want that fight. I want oh, um, yeah. I want oh what's his name? Um Yanez. Yanez. Yeah. Yeah. Yanez and O'Malley's the fight I want. Uh so you are you, you who do you think is actually gonna win though? You think O'Malley's still gonna win this? Because Munoz is losing a lot of fights. <laughs> I legitimately think that Munoz is gonna win this. Like I think it's close, but I don't think Sean is winning this. And like one of those things uh with sports or anything is like you wanna fight against or compete against people that are worse than you because it helps you hone like your punish game. Like he's he's getting his counters and other stuff down because he's fighting against dudes that just walk forward and move like they're underwater. But he's not really fighting like many people better than him. Like the only fight he got that he just got rocked. So I feel like he's not gonna be ready for someone with as much experience as Munoz. And Munoz is fought at like the top level with like 
Oh, Munoz will a- still be there. He might still be there. And O'Malley might unclip everything he's got in the first six minutes. And Munoz is still standing there bleeding with a grin on his fucking face. Like, there yeah, might be another exactly. nine minutes of fight after that. Um, Marcus, it- what is Mike picking? Uh, he's got Pedro as well. Okay. Who do you got? Yeah, I, I'm also going with Pedro. Um, just Fuck, we're all picking Pedro? <laughs> I guess so. I'll type that <laughs> in. Write it down. You. I got Pedro, too. You're going to whatever. I mean, I'm Junior convinced me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it for me is, yeah, I mean, you can look at the caliber fighter that he's been facing. And the guys that he's looking, you know, the best against are guys that, you know, really aren't at this level that Pedro has been fighting at and what I consider him to be at. But it's also kind of. What I took away from that one fight, I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was that short notice fight. I think it was like Lewis something. The guy that took a beating, right? He took a beating for three rounds. He really didn't have anything for Sean, but Sean couldn't really put him away. I think like they eventually ended it in the third by like referee stoppage. Oh, um, Moutinho. 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 Yeah. Who just, Moutinho. Just, yeah. They just called it because we we're like, okay, we got to stop this, I guess. Which, is, which I yeah. think was the right call because he yeah. was getting eaten up. But it kind of shows you like... If you have the wherewithal to be focused in on the fight and not get clipped with something you don't see coming, like Sean doesn't have that type of power where it's just like, I mean, a lot of his knockouts are because of his length and his counters and his ability to catch you when you're coming in for a strike or when you're not expecting it. And I just think Pedro is, he's too seasoned to kind of take his eyes off the ball and get caught with something like that. So I think he's going to be very durable. I think Sean isn't going to have that quick success. And again, if Pedro can take him down and I mean, as long as it's standing, Sean's going to have a decent shot at this, even if it's just on the outside, picking him apart. Cause I do think, you know, Pedro's a little bit stockier. He's not the fastest guy in the world. If O'Malley can stick on the outside and try to get something going. But I think Pedro is going to be able to dictate the center of the cage. He's going to be chasing Sean around. And we saw even with Cruz, like he was able to catch Cruz who I think probably has a little bit better footwork than Sean O'Malley does. So I think Pedro's He's gonna, gonna be kick able him to get in the leg. Done. I'm gonna say it right now. This guy's ankles are suspect. This guy's whole lower body's suspect. Anytime anybody kicked him in the leg, not just over Chito Vera, he does not like it. I feel it's not taken advantage of enough by his opponents. Fucking yeah. one two low kick, man. One yeah, two low it's kick. A good, <laughs> and it's it, it again when you're fighting someone at distance, you know, hitting a punch is going to be hard. You have to negate that range. You have to get through that first line of defense he's going to have. The leg kick you don't really. You can be on the outside and still score that late kick, especially if you're pressuring him a lot. And I mean, he's probably going to be circling to his non-power side. You can kind of anticipate where he might be moving. You start slamming in some low kicks, you know, it's going to change up the game a little bit for him. It's going to make him wary about where his exits are going to be. And if you can start cutting that things off, then you can start cutting off his ability to, you know, get out of the way of the punches and then kind of get in clinches and work the game that way. So, yeah, I mean, I think Sean O'Malley definitely has a shot. I mean, the kid's talented. He has good footwork. He has good technique. And if Pedro, you know, finds himself off balance or in a bad spot, you know, Sean can crack. But I've also seen like I've seen dudes take his best shot and keep coming. So. And when you have a guy like Pedro who, like I mean, said, hey man, is still going to be there. I have a lot of respect for how he played this game money-wise. I felt he did this the right way. He realized what was going on. He's like, if you're going to fucking want me to fight these, you got to pay me. And they're like, okay, we're going to pay you now on some level. Um, So, but yeah, uh, we'll see. All right, we're going to pick up the pace significantly here. We've got four more fights to pick. We're already an hour into this thing. Um, Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. Junior, I gave you one assignment before joining this podcast today. You got to tell me who Jalen Turner is. Because I don't know who Jalen Turner is. 
Yeah, so he, he has a pretty interesting backstory. Apparently, when he was in high school, he got injured all the time. So he kept getting kicked off of, like, the football and the basketball team. And then he tried to do wrestling, and he, like, broke his hand or something. So he couldn't do that either. So he pretty much gave up on sports. And then later, like, after graduating, he saw MMA on TV and decided to do it. And he's been, like, pretty reasonable. He can be really explosive. He gets some knockouts. Um, but I guess he is really injury prone, so it's going to kind of depend. I haven't really done the scouting yet on what he's looking like now, um, but I think he, he has a pretty solid shot at this thing as long as, you know, like his bones aren't made of paper or whatever. And we got I, Brad. I, I looked him up, Bob, um, as we've decided uh, my picks don't matter anymore, but nah. that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, Junior left out the big elephant room. He's a six foot three lightweight. He's that fucking big? Mercy, and he's yeah, fighting a five foot six man. So do with that what you will, because he's also the favorite. Wait, who's Jalen's the favorite or Riddell's the favorite? Jalen's the slight favorite in a coin toss from when I looked at the FanDuel odds. Yo, can Riddell shoot takedowns? This guy's that much taller than him. Can we just come underneath? What are we doing here? Minus 140 on FanDuel. Six foot three. You got to like it, Bob. Yeah, Long okay. strong. Um, man's been in the UFC for... This man's had this many UFC fights and I don't know who he is. That's f- depressing. Um... <laughs> He showed up at seven and three. He's now twelve and five. Five and two in the UFC wins over Callan Potter. It's a whole. You know what? You don't know these names, okay? <laughs> He's got losses to Matt Frivola and Vicente Luque. You show up in the UFC after winning the Contender Series. They're like, "Hey, man, we got Vicente Luque for you to sh- push your shit in." What kind of cruel? Sh- Did he spit on Dana White's fucking like dr- his drink on the way out of the Contender Series? How do you just earn that? That was a rough fucking matchup, man. Um, Brad Riddell, on the other hand, city kickboxing was four and zero in the UFC. He got he got caught up in the, trying to beat Rafael Fazave. It's not easy. Rafael Fazave's a, a killer. Hit him with that spinning wheel kick in the third round of their matchup back over at UFC and ESPN Font versus Aldo uh, last December. Ten and two overall. This five foot eight according to Wikipedia, which means he's lying. He's five foot six. Um. Brad Riddell from New Zealand. Um, what's Mike picking? Yeah, let me check. I think he has uh, Turner. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking the tall guy. I got the tall guy. I'm, Junior convinced me just by reading some stuff and stuff on Gavis Height. Mark, who do you got? Tall guy, or short guy? Uh, I, I'm going with Brad. You know, I, Mark's I going for a city remember. kickboxing kind of night. 3-0, and o, baby. <laughs> I am. I, I can't remember seeing Turner fight, even though, like, his picture looks kind of familiar. Maybe I caught him on something. Um, yeah, and again, like, one, Bob, you, you can't say no one knows who this guy's fought because Junior's on the card. You get away with that when it's me and Mike because we don't Junior, know you know these people. One second. Junior, do you know who <laughs> this guy's got seven different symbols above his name? Uros Medic? <laughs> you know who Uros Medic is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck Gee, you. Bobby. Fuck you. you. Fuck that you. That shit doesn't fly when Junior's on the show. He's doing oh. his homework. All right. Um, Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I don't have a good analysis. I'm interested to see what Junior says because he's probably a lot more familiar. Um, and this is a classic case of, like, I've seen Brad fight. I think he's really good. I think he's, you know, I don't know if he's top tier. I don't know if he's going to be you know, shooting for title contention, especially at this weight class. Like you have to go through a freaking gauntlet to even start, you know, breaking the top 10. We just saw two guys that are future stars and their skill level was so much higher. Um, but yeah, just, just from being somewhat comfortable with the guy, I'm picking Brad. All right, junior, tell us why we're, why I'm wrong or Mike Sparks wrong. Who do you got? 
Um, I got Turner. I think it'll be close, yeah. but to Turner is like kind of an Izzy clone. Um, you know, he fights kind of the same way out of necessity because, you know, he's obviously really tall and skinny for the weight class. I think, um, you know, uh, Brad doesn't really like to shoot like too much. Like he gets a lot of knockouts, but I think if he mixes it up with some, uh, some grappling attempts just to make Turner like watch out for them and then, uh, you know, get some of the big shot, I think he could easily get them. Um, but I think overall Turner's got the slight edge. So that's probably who I'm going with. Yeah. No one wants to hear read about how Turner grew up as arachnophobic <laughs> to help combat his fears. He started collecting tarantulas as pets. By the time he made his UFC debut, he had 200 pet tarantulas, which earned him his nickname, the tarantula. How many did he need to be nicknamed the tarantula? He needed 200 at 105. We're like, nah, man, not yet. Not yet. I, I do. I do want to throw this out there. Let's not forget that the the story when we started here was this kid's bones were too brittle to play basketball and baseball, and then somewhere down the line he's like, "Oh yeah, this full contact MMA. That's that's the avenue I'm going to go." So I'm I'm going to get hey, brittle bones in this one. He fought in March. Okay, he three months later he's ready to go again. Okay, um, six foot three. Jesus, that's a big lightweight. Yeah. That's um, crazy. Robbie Lawler was pretty surprised to be on the undercard here. Um, the prelims. Which I get, he's Robbie Lawler, but this is a stack card. Uh, Robbie Lawler coming to this fight after that kind of bummer of a fight against Nick Diaz, quite frankly, back at UFC 266. Before that, four straight losses to Magny, Covington, Askren, though he should have beat Askren, and uh, Dos Anjos taking on Brian Barberina. Bam Bam Barberina is on a two-fight win streak with decision wins over Darian Weeks and Matt Brown. Uh, 17 and 8 overall. Uh, really settled into the role of a journeyman here in the UFC. So uh, betting odds for this one, we got uh, Mr. Lawler coming in at minus 125 to Brian Barberina's plus 105. Um, in the battle of who's more washed, I, I still think even washed Robbie Lawler is better. Than Brian Barberina. Um, and Bri Robbie wasn't exactly losing to Scrubs. I mean, well, maybe Ben Askren. But the other, that well, wasn't nice. Um, the rest of them, though, um, no, seriously, he's beat, these are all good fighters, man. He lost to all these guys when they were probably top five. You know, between, I mean, maybe not Magny. Magny's probably right on the edge back then, you know, August of 2020. But yeah, these are all really good fighters he's lost to. So um, honestly, Robbie just fights killers. This whole record, man. He's going back to fucking, like, strike force, And this dude's like... I, you have to go all the way back to IFL for me to not recognize a name. Eduardo Pampiona. We know who that is, Mark? Or Pamplona? No, it doesn't ring a bell. There we go. That's it. All right? That's how long ago. The fucking 15 years ago was the last time Robbie Lawler fought a guy you don't know. So I got Robbie Lawler. My, Mike's got Robbie Lawler or Bam Bam, Mark? He's got Lawler. Lawler, who do you got? Oh, I think this is really tough. We're going to um, have a whole new rankings at the end of this, man. I'm not done. My, my mic might be winning when this is all said and done. <laughs> maybe. I, I. It is tough because for me, I'm curious to see where Lawler's head's at. You know, I think when you're coming off those four losses, it's easy to kind of be real down in the dumps, you know. And then, and honestly, after that, the Nick Diaz fight's a huge fight for him. You know, like he gets to, he gets to roll that one back. Um that's a fight I could see him getting highly motivated for. And I just wonder. It seemed like we all wanted it more than he did. It seemed like everybody else was more excited for that fight than him or Nick. They were all just like, Nick's like, well, I'm kind of, I'm out of money. 
And Robbie's like, okay, yeah. we'll fight. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I wonder now fighting Brian Barberino, like, is he motivated? Because I think that's always been kind of the question with Lawler. Like, when he's not really motivated, he doesn't perform super well. You know, when he is motivated, when he came back to the UFC, he was, you know, it was, engine was on full blast. And I just wonder now after that long losing streak and the fight against uh, Nick, which I mean, Nick gassed out, but like he wasn't doing bad. It's not like Robbie just like steamrolled him and looked, mm. you know, bad. It's kind of like just Nick just, just wasn't look old. there anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, Lawler's been in this game for freaking forever. So I'm going with Barbarino. I don't feel good about it. I mean, and even like thinking like how he's going to get it done on the, you know, stand up, I think it's going to be tough. I think Lawler's pretty strong in the clinch. And he hasn't shown to be a guy that you can really ground easily and just, you know, kind of grind him out that way, too, because he's a pretty good wrestler, too. So, I mean, even now I'm talking about I'm kind of talking myself out of it, but I'm just and I hate to bet just like a guy to bet against a guy just because I think he's kind of washed. Um, I do think Barbarino's super game. I think he can take a strike really well. Um, but Robbie's really good at this. He's got to grind. Too. He's going to have to grind him, though. Well, that's what you're pretty much you're yeah. imagining. In your head, is Brian Barbarino grinding Robbie Lawler well? Yeah, successfully? yeah. Um, so, or just pushing a pace that he can't yeah. keep up with, and and maybe that's it. Like, I'm just thinking like the youth is going to win out just a little bit on this. But I, don't, I see. I, I don't think Ryan's as young as we think he is anymore either. I was going to look that no, up now. That you he's just like, I mean, I, I think when I think of young, it's like Lawler was the first guy to fight on Fox Sports Net at UFC 37.5. Yeah. You know, we're at two, two fucking whatever now. Like it's been a fucking long yeah. run. Um. So that's why I think. Brian is just the youthful one here. He doesn't have those miles on him. So, yeah, I don't feel confident about it. I feel like this might be like the hardest one of the fights to pick um, just because I don't feel strongly one way or the other. But I got Barbarino in this one. Junior? Junior, Junior, Junior has less Robbie Lawler experience than me and you, I'm realizing. it. We're in a position here where Robbie <laughs> Lawler-wise, you and I have got this under control. But Junior, who do you got? <laughs> I was just about to say. Also, to to Mark's point earlier, and you're saying you're going to look it up. Uh, Lawler is seven years older. Barberino is 33, and Lawler is 40. Okay. So it's not a huge age gap, but I kind of agree with Mark. Again, I'm going to be more biased than you guys because I haven't seen Lawler's whole career. I've just kind of seen his last couple of fights, which honestly weren't like the most impressive thing in the world. I'm sure he was good back in the day, like looking at his history. Yeah, there was a but... seven year stretch where Robbie Lawler was falling asleep at press conferences, legitimately fell asleep. Put a hat over his eyes. Fell asleep. So, yeah, we know what Robbie Lawler phoning it in looks like. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think I have Barbarina. I honestly think it's going to go to decision, and Lawler's just going to get gassed faster. Um, I don't think either guy's going to get much of a foothold in either stand-up or, you know, the clinch. I don't think you know, I mean, too exciting is going to happen. I think it's just Barbarina by decision. I just every day I'm thankful that none of these January 6th hearings tell me that Robbie Lawler was there because you got age 16 show up at a Pat Militich gym. And Pat Militich was there. We're just happy you haven't heard Robbie Lawler's name at these at these January 6th hearing, guys. That's where all of that. Robbie Lawler's, you know, keeping his nose clean. You know, he's just in Florida. He had nothing to do that day. He was at the beach. Um, all right. This is basically the main event for Mark. Ian Gary versus Gabriel Green. Uh, Ian Gary, was he the champ over in Cage Warriors, or he's just in Cage Warriors? He's very young. I thought, I thought he was the welterweight champ. I'm pretty sure he got I think the you're right. Um, Ian Gary, 9-0 and with six finishes, five of those knockouts, um, two UFC fights. Darian Weeks getting dunked on all over this podcast, man. He got lost to half this card. Um, and Jordan Williams uh, taking on Gabriel Green, 11-3 and overall, 2-1 and in the UFC, um, fighting out of... 
Team Body. Is he training with Quentin over at Team Body Shop? That doesn't make me think he's going to win. Um, Ian, uh, I, he's training over in Florida with Sanford MMA and uh, Henry Hooft. Um, betting odds for this one. Ian Gary, minus 178 on FanDuel, the plus 138 for Gabriel Green. I am way more familiar with Ian Gary. Ian Gary's why I'm watching this fight. Ian Gary's why we're picking this fight. I got Ian Gary. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I have Ian as well. You know, I mean, I, I can't say I was familiar with him before he came into the UFC. Um, but when he was on that card with Usman and Covington, too, like that's kind of where I got introduced to him. And I was really impressed with what I'd seen before and what I saw in that fight. Um, and it's not like this guy is untouchable or that oh, he's no. perfect. Um, you know, he definitely ate some shots and his last fight did go to the distance. But I have been really impressed with his performance. And more so than that, just like I like watching him fight. These are fun fights. Um, so I am going with Ian Geary. I don't know much about his opponent, so I can't really like size up how they're going to contest with each other. But I do feel like the UFC knows Patty Pimpton is kind of like the big star. And Ian Geary's kind of like the backup almost like, okay, Patty. And I kind of feel the same way. Like Patty, I don't know. Like I love the guy. I think he's super talented. I don't know how he's going to do it lightweight overall. Like once he starts fighting the killers, how he's going to stack up with the rest of the division. I do think Ian Geary might have a little bit more legs in that regard. Like I think he, his career might have a little higher. Patty is willing to take way more damage and he's way too accepting that it's part of his life. He's, he's like, oh, it's the way I am. His yeah. his ground game is fantastic, but like his stand up has a lot of holes in it. Well, I think Ian is a lot more tight tightened up. Like his stand up, I think is a little bit more tighter, a little bit more you know, kind of really understands the game a little bit better. Whereas Patty kind of he goes after it and he's like, well, fuck, if I get knocked down or you know I knock the guy down, like it's going to end up on the ground, and that's really where I'm going to shine. And how he gets there, he doesn't really care. It's going to happen one way or another. I, I I've really been impressed with Ian. Um, hopefully, and I think the UFC brass to my point earlier was that. I think they're probably going to give him matchups where they think he's going to be able to shine a little bit. I feel like they should know they have a potential star in the making here. So, you know, let, let's fan the flames a little bit. Let's give him winnable fights. Maybe gets a little bit challenged, but I don't know if this is the opponent that's really going to push him. So I got Ian. Mike's got Ian also. I believe so. Let me double check. Yes, he does. Yeah, he know he's he knows why we're picking this fight. Uh, Junior, you 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 are you an Ian Gary Mark like Mark and I? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I think he just looks better than than Gabriel Green. Gabriel Green's kind of, you know, not not super impressive from what I'm seeing. Like he's he's a good guy, I'm sure. Some guys are just on the fighter, roster because we have a fight every week, man. That's yeah, just, he's kind of there. So I think I think the future's got him on the. All team. right, uh, this never-ending fight pick selection. We have one last one to pick. Um, real quick, Junior, how, when were you born? Uh, 1997. 1997. So you <laughs> were 11 years old when. Jim Miller got to the UFC. So, Jim Miller's been in the UFC this whole fucking time with Lyme disease, too. Winning fights. Um, I am a very big, I think very highly of Jim Miller, who showed up in the UFC 11-1. and one. He's now 34-16. and 16. That is not bad in the toughest weight class in this fucking sport, man. Man got close to a title shot a couple times. He was probably, when he fought Benson Henderson, and I know this was a while ago, when he fought Benson Henderson in 2011, Winner of that fight was right there. He had won like six straight at that point. Um, this is the last fight on his contract. And he said the UFC was not interested in renewing it, at least when they last spoke. If I was Jim Miller, I would have not have made that public because it is not going to help your negotiating position with Bellator or the bare knuckle folks. But um, actually, I got Jim Miller penciled in for PFL. 
Seems like a PFL kind of guy if he wants to keep fighting. He's a pretty successful school up there in uh, in Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, either. Over at Sparta Township. Uh, Jim Miller was supposed to take on Bobby Green. And it was going to be a real tough fight for me to pick because uh, we all love Bobby Green. We are There's no podcast that likes Bobby Green more than this podcast. Um, Junior, famously, we went to watch, famously for us, we went to watch a UFC on Fox card in San Jose, which in case you're curious, San Jose is American Kickboxing Academy territory. All right? Fucking Koscheck, uh, Josh Thompson, Kane, that's their city. Josh Thompson was taking on Bobby Green. You know who was cheering for Bobby Green? The three motherfuckers on this podcast. All right? And we cheered loudly for Bobby Green when he won that split decision. Um, Bobby Green got hurt or something. Instead, we got a uh, racist Donald Cerrone coming into this thing. I do not think very highly of Donald Cerrone. Uh, these guys last fought a decade ago. Um, July of 2014. Where uh, Jim Miller got kicked upside his head and knocked out by Cowboy Cerrone in the second round. Uh, it was Cowboy Cerrone in the middle of a nine-fight, eight-fight win streak in the UFC. So really just the peak of his abilities there. Uh, Cowboy's had a rough go on it, guys. Um, he has not won a fight since May of 2019. Um, four, five losses, one no contest, and no contest was uh, originally a draw, and apparently Nico Price was smoking so much weed that draw had to be a no contest. Um, Betting odds for this one, which John Donald has taken on very short notice. Donald's plus 180 to minus 210 on DraftKings. Minus 210 for Miller on DraftKings. Minus 225, plus 172, respectively, on FanDuel. Um, I got Jim Miller. Me calling Donald Cerrone a racist. Not sure if that helped or made, or made you think one way or the other, but I picked I was I picked Joe Lozon twice against Jim Miller against Donald Cerrone. I am not picking Donald Cerrone in any of these old man fights, okay? I have drawn my line in the sand. He is the one who'll be losing these old man fights. I got Jim Miller. Who does who does Mike got, Mark? He's got Miller as well. Okay. Junior, who do you got? Yeah, I got Miller. I think he just wears his age a lot better. And Donald Cerrone's actually a year older, technically, so. Donald, Donald, everything aside, his willingness to put on a fight and f- as often as he has and his style, I mean, it wasn't going to end well. Uh, Jim's pretty much been this good for about eight years. Like, Jim's been here since probably 2014 level, skill-wise. All right? Just, he's there for you, man. You pay Jimmy 60 grand to show, 60 to win, or whatever he's getting, he's there for you. Um, Marcus, who do you got? I'll make it a sweep. I, I honestly, I'm really kind of torn on this one because I do feel it's I mean, really short he, notice, man. It's like a, this week he took the fight too. Yeah, and I think when I look at Cerrone and his past fights, um, I think Pettis ex- excluding because like hit the, the wheels have fallen off that guy too. We didn't mention it, but like this was a weekend of upsets, and he got oh yeah, he did not body go well. triangled submission yeah in PFL like it wasn't it was, yeah he, he literally <laughs> just got like, this dude hugged yeah. him too hard and yeah. he tapped out. So um, I don't know, like part of me. Did want to pick Cerrone, um, but for no really good reasons. I mean, he's had a bad stretch, but like, you know, stylistically, when he can get in that groove, he can do pretty well. Sometimes it's just hard for him to get there, especially if Miller, you know, pushes the pace early on. He tends to fold. What is your uh, what is your landing spot for Jim Miller when he's done here, man? Where's he going? Is he going to fight? And if so, where? I think I PFL know. makes sense. 
I think the problem with PFL is I didn't, I didn't see how often Jim's fighting. It's just like I think that schedule is kind of tough because they do the tournament a year, right? Oh, it's so a lot fighting, of that's a lot of fights. It's a lot of fights, and um, I just don't know if he has four fights in a year. You know, and against see, it, and I think what's doing. tough for a lot of these guys is like, yeah, when you're the big dog going into the small pond, like all those guys that are working them way their way up with the young guys are super hungry. They're like Miller's a name, you know, Pettis is a name. I mean, I think Pettis lost to who do you like? He lost to some other veteran too. Like wasn't a young hungry guy. Yeah. That was not um, a good look. Pettis was on and off already in PFL. That was, a, that was not good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it just, again, this kind of reminds me of the Lawler Barbarina fight. I mean, not even in the worst case scenario where it's just like, I feel like I'm just betting against somebody instead of betting for somebody else. I don't really see like, the skills come into play. It's mostly just like who's more broken at this point, which is always a tough position to get in. Um, and again, like, you know, mentally where Cerrone at, he was supposed to have that fight with Lozon last week and they weighed in and everything and the whole knee accident. And now he's just getting rescheduled in a couple, you know, weeks. It's like How old man going? injuries, his knee locked up. <laughs> and, and, and of course I was like, Oh, right when I got home, I, I think I, I read the story. Like, oh, this guy said on TikTok, you should look at this guy's TikTok. I had like the same issue. And he told me, you know, I did this one exercise and like his knee popped back in. And he was totally fine. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird story, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, yeah, I'll go with Miller, but yeah, again, not feeling confident or, you know, courageous about that pick. Mostly it was just like, I was kind of thinking like, does junior have some kind of, he's going to say something that's going to sway me one way or the other. And it will. Oh, did we lose you Mark more back. For for a Cerrone fight, and I'm like, nah, not right, worth it. You're still there. Um, all right, Jesus, I was long. All right, that's UFC 276. Uh, from the prelim cards, um, other prelims, I think Uriah Hall versus Andre Muniz needs to be the third fight they throw on the main card. If they aren't going to move one of these other ones, seems like a really good fight. Um, I also, I'm I'm, I'm a big Macy Barber fan for no reason. I was going to say I kind of like this fight. I like Macy Barber. I think Jessica I is not good at this point. She's she don't got a lot for you anymore, man. She yeah. was a tough fighter. Um, but she's, you know, it's sad to say at 35, she's done, but she's been done for a minute, man. Uh, it's yeah. She when Shevchenko kicked her head off, I don't think she ever recovered. She's missing weight now all the time. I think we're done here. And uh Brad Tavares, Jessica Rose Clark, you got people you know opening this show. Makes me happy, at least that it's a deep card. Makes me feel bad for those people. So yeah, UFC's at the uh, T-Mobile Arena. I was there a few weeks ago. It's a nice arena. Um, it's real hot there. For International Fight Week, which I f it feels like this used to be a bigger deal, Mark. International Fight Week. I don't know. Sure. We, I mean, we went a couple a times. Card. You know, we went it's a couple a huge, times. Yeah, uh, it's a big card. I mean, it, look, it, off the weeks that we have gotten, I'm just happy we have a pay-per-view card where it's not just like oh main and co-main or what you're really paying for and the rest is kind of like whatever we got you because there's a big title fight like this is a stacked card so i'm happy about that why haven't they announced the fifth fight like it's gonna be the main card i don't know why they haven't done yeah, that yet. i, I guess it doesn't it matter i think if they told people it's a four five main card mike mike, mike uh, might actually get happy because mike will not fall asleep possibly yeah. with only you know four fights on there all right, um, just real quickly, making sure didn't miss any news in the last fucking hour and a half we've been recording this thing. Before we do stuff we like and call it a day. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Stuff we like. Um, I got two things. Um, I watched Doctor Strange. I didn't see it in theaters. I was gonna see it in theaters, but then it was like, oh, it's coming out in two more weeks in Disney+. Plus. So I was like, oh, 
okay. Like, the turnaround time on Doctor Strange felt it like it was two months. Am I imagining that? Was it not that? No, it was quick. Didn't yeah. it come out in May? When did it come out? It might have been March. It might have been. Steph, you know the answer to this when Doctor Strange May. came out? Yeah, it came out uh, early May. I think the turnaround is only like 45 days okay. or 60 days. Yeah, because so I was going to go months, like yeah. two weeks ago. They're like, oh, it's coming out. I'm like, I might as well wait. Um, I really liked it. I, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. I didn't look to see what other people thought review-wise. I don't know if this was well thought of or not. Um, I thought they, I liked that it was a little different than a lot of these other Marvel movies. I liked that it was a little, Mark said it was kind of horror movie-ish at times. I think that's probably fair. And you got the right director with Sam Raimi in there. And I totally forgot Sam Raimi directed this until Bruce Campbell showed up. And then I remembered and I got very excited. My girlfriend was very, con for a moment, like what, why? Um, I mean, I guess... I, Mark didn't know what I meant when I said it either. This movie is a, such a Sam Raimi film. If it took you oh, that God. long to pick that up, like you should be able to pick that up within the first five well, minutes of this well, movie. When did, when did Bruce Campbell it. show up? First half an hour? Hey, man. <laughs> we went to the right mind. It was. I thought it was good. I thought... This movie's fucking months, like a month old. Spoiler alert. But when certain people came in, certain the certain multiverse stuff that was happening and when the way some of them died, I was like, oh, shit. We're doing that in this movie. Um, I really liked it. I thought they did a good job. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Cumberbatch guy because, I mean, Mark and Steph know. I was watching Sherlock and those 90-minute episodes of TV show. Junior's nodding his head like he's a Sherlock man also, which if he is, give me a new level of respect for the young gentleman here. Um, everybody, fuck, go watch. That's my recommendation this week. Find Sherlock. It's three seasons. Each one's three episodes. That's nine movies you can watch. You're good for weeks. Um... The other thing, um, and I'll just, I don't have Mike with me, so I can't really, like, I'm not going to give a full breakdown of a fucking wrestling card without Mike, but AEW Forbidden Door was this uh, past weekend. Uh, it was a cross-promoted uh, show between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, which aired both on AEW streaming platforms and New Japan World. Really clunky build to this. It was almost like they half tried to explain an entire promotion in three weeks to people or four weeks. Uh, I remember being at the pay-per-view last month in person wondering why they aren't trying to get on top of this. But despite the clunky build, the whole show was really fun to watch. Um, seeing Claudio debut and how big of a cheer he got was nice, honestly. I'm a big fan of all the guys in the party. So seeing Claudio debut was cool. Um, him doing that power bomb and everybody yelling Ricola. I didn't know that was a thing, and that that was kind of cool. And um, the only part really was a bummer was uh, the end of the four way match between Jay White, uh, the Hangman, Okada, and Adam Cole, which ended kind of abruptly. When it turns out that Adam Cole got a concussion, and uh, Jay White called it immediately because I think it seems like Adam Cole was supposed to take a rainmaker. Instead, he kind of got pinned with I think a drop kick or something. It was kind of weird. It was a weird ending. So um, he ducked the Rainmaker. Yeah, as if he I think he wasn't it. supposed to drop it. And then I, Okada got hit by a different finisher, and then they rolled over and just pit it. That's why it was weird. Is Adam yeah. Cole didn't get hit by anything. He countered. The I think move, he. But they just I think he covered him. Wasn't supposed yeah. to tip over on the ring. I don't know. He got his second concussion in four weeks. So I. We, everybody okay. likes Adam Cole. Hopefully he's okay. It was a good show. Uh, I hope they do it again. Um, next year, maybe with more time for people to learn what New Japan is. And as somebody currently listening to John Moxley's book and listen to interviews about him this week coming out of rehab, it was nice ending. But that's what I got this week. Stefan, you haven't done this in a while. 
what, what's this? Well, you want you want to sell, sell us on a anime? You might as well right now tell us what's this anime you're watching. Oh yeah, um, current. Uh, what are we in the spring season of twenty two? Just wrapped up, and uh, two of the best shows I've ever watched in the anime genre just concluded. Uh, one of them their first season, and another their third season. Uh, one of them Mike had mentioned before, uh, Spy Family, or as Mark called it to me, a uh, family of spies. You know, close enough. Good. Uh, just flip the words around but uh just an incredibly cute show that marries a lot of different genres i know mike isn't always into some of the slice of life stuff i recommend um because it's lacking you know he kind of got in on a lot of the shonen stuff he likes a lot of more action battle anime based not that he's willing not to venture out but i think that's uh where he butters his bread in the anime world so the fact that it's a slice of life about this kind of found family, again, the mother is an assassin, the dad is a super spy, and the little girl is a telepath, but none of, no one in the family knows each other's secrets. So hijinks ensue, but you still get the spy, like, kind of undercover action sequences. They, uh, there's, a, there's a fake cartoon that the little girl watches called Bondman about a super spy so basically J- japan's take on james bond as a superhero but that's a great show but then the other one um that i was mentioning is a slice of life rom-com so it might not be everyone's cup of tea but uh if it is if you're willing to venture kaguya sama love is war just concluded its third season and i think that's the best anime i've ever watched just as a uh, series if people I, are I watching yeah. if people are watching anime legitimately and all these shows you have, is it all Crunchyroll at this yeah, point? Yeah, Crunchyroll bought out their main competitor, Funimation. Does, Anima- were- does Amazon own Crunchyroll? I Amazon that owns Crunchyroll, and okay. Amazon now owns Crunchyroll. Do. We live in the Sounds era cool. of acquisitions, so uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll used to be the split house where most streaming anime lived. Am, and of am I getting have- a benefit from my Prime membership with Crunchyroll, or is that a whole separate cost? I thought, I'm just curious. Do I get I anything out of this? Know how it works because the triple play package of like ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu. I found a lot of the premium Crunchyroll content you could get on Hulu, but not all of it, just most of it. So I do not know how the shared licensing works. I can't tell you that. But Fair uh, enough. Small correction: Sony owns Crunchyroll. Well, Sony does. S- Sony. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know. Why I thought mm-hmm. Amazon did. Okay. I mean, fair. Fair guess, but yeah, I, I Amazon owns Twitch. Twitch. Right? They own Twitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I applied to all these companies recently, and so I've, I've gotten, like, thank yous from, like, their parent companies of Google and Amazon, um, and it's like, shit, they just got, like, seven different applications for me. Yeah, they but, bought uh, it in, uh, 2021. They bought it from Otter Media, so. We, we, we have all these acquisition merged. So, yeah, those are the two big animes. Um, Mike, I, if you listen to this, I hard recommend you give, uh, Kaguya-sama, uh, a shot. It is... It's so funny. It has so much heart. And uh, it's really, there's a lot of, since Mike lived in Japan for a year, I think there's a lot of cultural stuff he'll pick up because they do, a, what makes the show so good is they really flesh out the personalities of the side characters. Um, and I think that's what any great TV show does is really build an ensemble cast where you care about like the side characters just as much as you do the main duo. And I think that show is absolutely fantastic at it. There's not a single bad character in the show. Every single side character, even ones that make one-off appearances, one that's a random segment and then shows up again like a season later for recall. Um, it's not at the level of Arrested Development where they kind of reference their own jokes and moments as much as they did, but it does to the point that the show is really good at establishing this universe that it exists in by having these recall. 
you think these kind of one-off side story skits are just little slice of life, random adventures. But when they come back and inform a scene like eight episodes later, and you see how the way the show all ties around, it's just really, really well made. A, a lot of anime suffers from budgetary issues. You can see where certain, they call it Sakuga, where the fight sequence has all this high level animation and detail. But then in the other scenes, there are clearly stills that just have a moving mouth. There's a lot of budgetary things because the churn and production schedule on anime is unlike any other industry. Even like video games, which as rough as they are, it's not quite as rough as an animation gets. So um, this is a show that's just really well written and really the people who make it put so much production value to it. It's just one of the most quality best shows I've ever watched. Um, and then just kind of wrapping it up uh, back on the K-pop front again, once again, I started that podcast K corner convos. Um, please give us a listen. Our first episode is the BTS episode, but um, also this past week was a big thing for me in terms of my music taste. But uh, y'all know because I went, I saw them three times in the last like four months, but my favorite group twice, my favorite member of them, Nyon, just uh, first member of the group to do so, just released her first solo project, uh, Simply I'm Nyon, uh, lead single of Pop. Uh, it's a little seven-song mini-album. I, I actually, granted I'm biased as hell, but I genuinely like the whole album. It's got a kind of a retro vibe, but not a distant retro. It, it's very retro of like early 2000s R&B pop. So it's just, it's a very familiar time of probably when I listened to music the most, when I listened to the radio the most, when I was most plugged in with knowing artists, as we kind of joke about nowadays, like, you know, if I asked Mark to name me like three artists that released a song in 2022, I don't know that he'd oh succeed. We're pretty unplugged <laughs> from the music scene at this point, but it's just a nostalgia sound of better days. So I'm really happy for her. It seems to be successful. It's setting some records in terms of pre-orders and sales. So um happy for Nyon. All right, Junior. This is, I mean, do you, what are you, what are you playing? What are you listening to? Literally anything you're into. What random episode of TV made your socks roll up and down? Whatever you got, buddy. Whatever yeah, recipe you made, tried anything you got. Mm -hmm. I don't really have too much. I got convinced to watch Morbius by uh, by a friend, and it is uh, just as bad as you would expect, but in a pretty funny way, honestly. Like I kind of your friend mad at you? Was he? Was he like? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get him to. Wait it's Morbin time, Stefan. It's Morbin time. No, I mean, we've just always kind of watched bad movies. Like, we're big fans of, like, The Room and other stuff Tommy Wiseau's been in and so on and so forth. So we like to watch those, like, ironically bad ones. Um, but, yeah, more Morbius definitely fits there. I, I just can't believe this is what, um, you know, they're doing with their DC license. So, yeah, it is That's what it right. Is. We're going to watch a bad movie. You guys want to see more. If you, at this point, haven't seen any Morbius memes, just take a look around. I, mean, I, I, to, I just got to, to a larger point to that because I saw a headline about they ca they're casting their next spider project, which is Madam Web. Um, Marvel needs to get the license back from Sony. Sony doesn't know what the fuck to do with this license. When they announced this movie, all of us comic book like super fans turned to each other like, who is the Morbius fan? Who asked for <laughs> this movie? What what person like no one likes Morbius? This is not a popular character. Why did this movie get greenlit? And now they have the Madam Web movie that no one is asking for coming. The fuck um, is Madam Web? Yeah, I don't even know. Madam Web was specifically from the animated series in the nineties mm. we grew up with. She was like the central person at the middle of the Spider Verse multiverse. Like she's a character, but like, is she in any of the video games? I don't know. No, it's not I what level. So. What level was she in? The Shocker was the first level, okay? 
Where was she? <laughs> well, what, what are we getting Craven? I thought that was a thing. When's yeah, the Craven they casted uh, Aaron Taylor, the kick-ass guy. Uh, he was Quicksilver in the MCU. He's in too many. He's too many things. You can't be this many things. He, he, You're already he's, like four he's things. He's done too many things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why like what's his name is already pushing it, man. Like when they when they cast Homeboy as Captain America, even I was just like, man, he's already Johnny Storm. Like two is enough. All right, two but, is enough. But I mean, they nailed it. Like that's a bad example, Bobby. Because yeah, I know it was absolutely the number. right call. <laughs> like, um, are they really making a side note? Since you're into the, is Fantastic Four actually happening? Is that really a thing, or is that just for reference is, they made in the thing? It's earmarked for like two years from now, and there there's already been a director change on it. Um, it was it's initially going to be the guy who did uh, the Spider-Man home home trilogy. Um, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head. Um, Peyton Reed, maybe. Sure. Okay. Uh, we'll just say that. I could, if I'm wrong, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so they I, I can't remember why, but for some reason it was announced like a week or two that they've changed it. Um, yeah, all the speculation. That's part of why they felt emboldened to do. Um, and it. A yeah, certain cameo. Yeah, certain. Yeah. Is he playing the role? Uh, so it? it's not determined that he is. That was a stunt casting to just kind of do a tip of the hat to the internet memes of the wish list. Um, oh, he's on the wish list. Okay. So he's 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 just long been the fan casting on the internet. Um, but they they said it was not a guarantee that he would reprise the role because it was a multiverse. Because it's you, you can do whatever you want with a multiverse. That doesn't mean it's going to be the main continuity. But they just wanted to give kind of a tip of the hat and wink. But it, it I don't know for sure. They also refilmed a lot of those late because um, Doctor Strange did not test well early. So they actually a lot of the cameo stuff was filmed after the. Did fact it end up being popular? Fact. I didn't. I still haven't looked. Did it end up people liking it? Or am I just I, in I, I was the was mostly good. I think mostly good, but a notch below the other movies of its ilk, which are like where, you know, they call it the Avengers like 1.5, 2.5, you know, where it is a feature character, kind of like uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was. But okay. we bring in all these other characters. So it's technically a big. So for being that kind of tentpole, I think it kind of fell below what people were hoping for in that regard. Are they? Um, yeah. Are they doing anything? You said multiverse. Are they? Are we doing anything with the fucking stuff that came out of the TVA and all that stuff with Loki? Yeah. Just like that's so. It's interesting because the guy who wrote that show, they had him do the rewrites for Doctor Strange because they decided uh -huh. they they liked his direction that they kind of trusted him to really be the one steering the ship of their whole multiverse. So I think he rewrote stuff in Doctor Strange to kind of make it co tie back. And yeah, the whole Kang of it all. Um, Bob, can you remember remind me on that actor's name? Because he is excellent in the role. Yeah, I'll find it right now. I have the thing up right um, now. Um, the main man, Feige, said himself that he's kind of next. The, he's the next super level threat, the next Thanos, you know, where kind of all. Uh, Jonathan Majors. In, Jonathan Majors as Kang and his yeah. various uh, derivatives. But yeah, he's supposed to kind of be the one where all the movies eventually tie to him. I think the next Ant Man, Quantum Mania is supposed to really bring him into play. Um, so we'll see how it ties in. Yeah, and you uh, you made reference to Michael Waldron, who made Michael Loki. Right. In between Loki and Doctor Strange, this dude's like, I'm going to make a TV show about wrestling called Heels. That's his show. That's his That's show. His show. <laughs> it's his show. Um, TV's wild these days. Okay, um, Marcus, you yeah, give us, take us I'll, home here. Yeah, I'll make it quick. There wasn't a ton this week. Um, we did finish up Obi-Wan. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was, you know, it didn't really knock my socks off. 
it might have been for people that gr- kind of grew up with the prequels that that would hit a little bit harder. Wasn't really, you know, those movies you really didn't do much for me. I thought the show was fine. I, I enjoyed it, but you know, didn't blow my socks off. Um, I have mentioned the last couple of weeks. Uh, this game came out called The Quarry. Now this is from oh, I think it's I think the develop but developers is super super massive, but I'm not sure. These guys have done Until Dawn, which was a PlayStation Four exclusive, and then they've done this kind of. It's called like the Dark Pictures Mythology. Supermassive games. Supermassive, okay. Um, and they, they basically do these little like choose your own adventure horror games. Um, the ones they've been releasing on a yearly basis, this part of this anthology, the Dark Pictures anthology, they've been fine. The turnaround time is so quick that I don't think expectations were super high for them. The Quarry was more of their return to form to like an Until Dawn. It was basically set in a uh, summer camp with all the counselors and something's going on in the woods and it's killing people or whatever. I really enjoyed it. Um, these types of games, I usually, I mean, unfortunately I end up just watching other people stream them and, and kind of take in the game that way instead of playing it myself. But I did really enjoy watching people play this. Um, and because there's so many different choices you could take, you could watch a couple different people and they'll pick different, uh, you know, good reviews, man. Take. yeah, it was, it was a really fun game. Um, and I like that they've kind of found this niche, to kind of make these type of games. Um, and it's weird. They're, they're getting more and more kind of like, I don't want to say star power. Cause like David Arquette's not like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Star. I was about to say you're bearing the lead. We got former WCW champion, David Arquette on this. Yeah, thing, well, don't man. get too excited, Bobby. This dude came on set for one day. He's in like two fucking scenes and then he's gone. The rest of it is like, all right. Um, but there's a lot of people like uh, Justin Smith or yeah, I think his name is Justin Smith. Who was in like detective Pikachu uh, Brendan, mentioned Song. Brendan Song, who was part of, was it Zach and Maury's Good Time Adventure? Brendan Song <laughs> uh, was also famously the uh, crazy Asian uh, girlfriend of social. Andrew Garfield in The Social Network. Social. Um, and even further back, because she's our age, and I remember the first thing I ever saw it, she was the spokesperson of the Reese's for Breakfast Reese's Puff cereal. Okay, probably. I got the girl from uh, one of the ladies from uh, the younger daughter from Modern Family. Also, they got some people in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and what's cool is like, and, and like you you mentioned, Ramy. I think it was like his brothers in it. Yep. Travis Ramy or something. Um, so there's a lot of recognizable faces, and you know, motion capture and stuff like that is good enough that you recognize them on view. Uh, but overall, it, it was a really fun, interesting game. And you know, now we're watching different people play it, trying to have everyone survive or kill everyone off. So yeah, kind of. Cool. Is this a full pricer? Is this a full price? Yeah, one? and that's kind of, I think, probably the hardest pill to swallow, especially for like a PS5. It's a seventy. Are we talking forty or fifty on P- on uh, PC when it's a full price? Or oh, I think PC is still like fifty is usually the PC. Is it fifty? Yeah. 40? It, it tops off at forty nine ninety nine. I mean, that's a much more palatable price. Than yeah, it's fucking PlayStation Five games are seventy now. Yeah. yeah, and it's like are the Xbox are the Xbox ones also seventy? I don't think every game is 70, especially if it releases on last gen consoles too. It'll usually be at 60, but this is a hard pill to swallow because the game is eight hours, only like eight hours long. And there is replay value because you could make different choices and stuff, but it's still like, once you play it, you kind of know what's happening. Um, The last thing, the the replay value is exactly two, Mark, because uh, until dawn is a fond memory of when Mark and I were roommates together. Mark had obviously discovered it and played it first. So the next thing to do was to introduce it to me and watch me and see how I did. So it was fun having those moments, like seeing like at the end of a sequence, Mark would tell me how he did on it or whatever. Yeah, like what happened. Um, it, is, it is a, it is a fun game, Bob. I don't know if your girlfriend is into games, but it is a fun, like 
thing to do with a person. I've seen a lot of playthroughs on YouTube where it is a boyfriend or a girlfriend who introduces their partner to it. And it's that kind of same, came, same kind of like vicarious, like shared experience. I got a video game question for Mark when he's done with his stuff. This uh, yeah, just, something just popped up. Yeah, one last thing. I mentioned it like two years ago when I pre-ordered it, but I finally got it in. Um, I got my play date. Now, this is like the most hipster video game thing ever. I remember when they announced this, like this is made for fucking video game hipsters. But, you know, um, I think it was two E3s ago. They had a little like press conference about like what was going to be on the play date. And it totally won me over. Like, I think this thing's really cool. Um, so I can show you on screen, but it is this little orange uh, yellow square. And its whole fucking gimmick is it has this stupid little crank. And some of the games use the crank. Um but what's cool is like it has a development uh, tool that you can use online for free. So you can make your own games and put them on. I don't know if it's on itch.io or exactly you sell them, but it's basically for free format. And the little stick it has too is that when you get it, you get one season of games, which I think is like 24 games total. You get two games each week. Um, there's a lot of like weird intricacies with it. It's only black and white. It's not backlit. There's a lot of things that kind of hammer it like from like, you know, like, look, this thing's not a switch. You know, you're not going to be playing like the biggest and best games on it or Steam Deck or anything like that. It's super niche. And, you know, if you like kind of like cutesy, weird, artsy games, I think it's kind of worth it. Other than that, like, I don't know. I feel like for most people that like playing video games, this isn't really the avenue they want to go into. But I like weird, interesting games. So uh, I've only had it for less than a week. I think actually when I picked it up today, two more games unlocked that I haven't tried. But I think one of the games was like a little surfing game. We use the crank to move the surfer up and down and do little tricks. And the other one was like this Pokemon-esque game where you're bird watching and taking pictures of different birds and stuff like that. So they're very kind of weird, artsy types of games. But I, I like it. It's, it's a good little distraction every now and then. Uh, but Bobby, you had a question before we finish up the show? Yeah. And uh, by the way, people still out there looking, Far Cry 6 is peanuts. Like on every system right now. Just putting that out there. I think I saw it was 15 bucks for PS5 and like 20 bucks on PC. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here looking at the price for this game, by the way. This uh quarry game is mm. by the way, full price. Yeah. Across the lot. board. Well, Bob, um, for free in the PlayStation Plus store is until dawn. It is just a classic that you can download right now. Okay, well, there's that. I'm asking, because I got questions about what I'm reading here. Saints mm. Row Day One Edition. Okay, what yeah, is the, that? New Saint, the new Saints what Row is, is coming is, out. What are we doing? Are we are we just are we remaking a game? Do I need to get excited? Because you know I like Saints Row. Yeah, no, this new one looks kind of cool. I don't think it's coming out until like August. October? August? Okay. August 23rd. Uh, I mean, it's a new dev because THQ folded. They went bankrupt. Yeah. And then I don't even know who's making this game, to be honest. But from it's what I only see, it's, it's 60 bucks. It's not yeah, 70. I think it's, still, I think it's still on last gen stuff. But look, it might be worth looking into. There, there's definitely been some trailers that kind of show you like there's lots of customization. I mean, obviously, you make your kooky, crazy character. Um, it looks like they took a lot of stuff from like, I think it was Saints Row 3 with like the, the weapons. Basically, you keep upgrading them and they'll have special abilities or what have you. You can customize the weapons. I mean, it looks like it's a open world type game through and through. Developer is Volition. <laughs> okay. Known for yeah. Descent, Free Free Space, Summoner, Red Faction. It says they're known for the Saints Row. Oh, they used they made Saints Row. They made a lot of these Saints Row games. Okay, actually. so it's it's the same dev yeah. after THQ yeah. Pump. So I mean, I, what I saw, Bob, I, I I liked it. I thought it looked cool. I, I'm definitely planning on getting 
this Saints Row game when it comes out, but I'm an easy mark for that stuff. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, hey man, I'm 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 getting that uh that Just Cause game is what I'm getting. Whatever that last Just Cause game was, was four. Cheap I'm gonna get that four. <laughs> sure, it should be, I think so. Yo, yeah, I played uh, Just Just Cause three was my jam. Honestly, yeah, if I can play, it. I can just run. I can just run that on my PS5. I'll just probably be happy. I'll start from the beginning. The games are all the same. Yep. Doesn't make that difference. I thought Junior was gonna drop a video game wreck on us or something, man. You're out here playing games on. Don't you like play shit seriously on the PC? Like what happened? Yeah, but it's all like pretty boring stuff. It's all like random like competitive games and I'm getting too old to like what they patch them every week, so I'm getting too old to relearn the meta. Like I have work in the morning. I'm not Which one's going to say learn. it's the meta, man? Which is your uh what's your game of choice? I play a lot of like team fight tactics. It's like this uh, auto battler made by Riot, the huge company that made like League and Valorant mm -hmm. and all these other companies. But yeah. they like they're really messing with the balance. Like they're literally patching like different units every two days. It's like a battle, like kind of like uh, Fire Emblem if you ever played those or any like mm -hmm. uh, you know like positioning game. Um, so they just keep like messing with the units. It's like cool. I have to read like a ten-page treatise before I even know what I'm doing to like play at higher ranks. So, like I just I don't have the time. So, you know, it's uh, that's what happens, man. Are, you, are fun, you come work but, for uh, us, we break <laughs> your will to come to play video games, apparently. <laughs> All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this super size edition of the podcast. Didn't really intend to go this long, but you know what? Fuck it, man. We had some guests, we had some fun. Um, this is a big pay per view this weekend, so uh, yeah. you know what? I'm making chicken wings, Mark's eating the chicken wings. Worst case, yeah, be we'll be well fed if this thing goes south, but uh. Yeah, we'll see if we got our. We got. We no. It seems like none of us here, except for Mike, thinks we're gonna get any new champions. Because Mike took Max, right? And he's the only one. That's and we right. all took Izzy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We made some wild changes. Some wild picks on the other side. All of us picked against the favorite in Sean O'Malley. Every one of us. Um, but anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. All three hundred some odd of you. Um. Check out the K Corner. Fuck me, Stefan. I'm sorry. The um, K, K Corner Convos. There's K a Corner Convos. Blood the K Corner Convos. I keep wanting to say K Pop, and then I remember that's not what we're calling it. The K Corner Convos on Spotify, on iTunes. If you're a weirdo like me and you use Pocket Casts, I'm sure it's on Pocket Casts. If you're on Google Podcasts, thank you for using Google Podcasts because it took me about half an hour to figure out how to put our podcast on there. So I want to thank you. But check it out there. Stefan, where do we follow your podcast on Instagram that you're not posting or Twitter that you're not posting? Uh, I think it's both Twitter and Instagram should just be K underscore underscore corner underscore uh, convos. Should be all the same thing. Um, yeah, I haven't posted anything yet, but I'll post stuff soon. I made yes, that's right. I mean, I since we're on Spotify, I made an accompanying playlist that would be very good to advertise because it's all the songs we specifically talked about on our episode. There's things that I should do. Uh, I'll eventually publish those soon. That's right. Check it out. Um, Junior, you got anything to promote here, buddy? You got anything? You want to sell anybody on anything? Huh? You got it. What's your, uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Once I make some more money gambling, maybe I'll sell my picks. Uh, be one of those. That's what we're going to have. That's what we're going to bring. Junior. For now, I, we're going to, we're going to talk after this podcast. We're going to have to talk to junior about whenever there's a pay-per-view, we bring junior in and tell people what to lose their money on. Um, I hope you had fun joining us this week. Um, thank you all for listening. We always really appreciate it. And uh, until then, that was Kid Presentable. But we're going to need to give Junior a fun nickname. That was Junior. That was DJ Mark. I was Dr. Law. Let's see you all next week. And peace out. Junior, this is where you sit in silence for 30 seconds.
Peace out. I should have made this clear before. See ya. Thank y'all.